the Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast, our first of December, our first of the week. As we broke the big news, which we've been teasing for quite a while now, we return to twice weekly podcasts. I'm your host, Emma's Kennedy. We have strengthened our relationship without the races. We've been talking about this for a good few months, and we are delighted to welcome on board the world's leading betting exchange, the Betfair Exchange. Join the final Furlong podcast party and representing them on the show today, a member of a racing syndicate and a diehard racing fan, Jess Stratford, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be a part of this, guys. Betfair Exchange, also known as the Decimal Odds Appreciation Society. <laughs> so I am absolutely oh. one step closer in the fight for decimal odds. So See, hello and excited to be a part of this family. See, over the last few months while we've been talking about this, one of the things that I've loved is that Betfair are genuinely fans of the Final Furlong podcast and they get the humor and the crack that we've had. And this really wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you, our incredible listeners, because we have a lot of new listeners to the show, but we have listeners since way back in the day when Kevin and I began. And we broke the record for listeners in a year in August, which is just insane. And um, Betfair have been very keen to, to come and become involved. So don't panic. Nothing crazy changes. Uh, we'll still talk about all the usual stuff that we do. And uh, as you know, by that, Jess clearly gets the tone <laughs> and knows what we're talking about in terms of the show. Uh, before we get to an incredible weekend's racing, I cannot take another step forward without recognizing a huge success. This is incredibly deserved. I think I speak for every single listener of the podcast when I say that we're absolutely thrilled that this award has been finally handed to this man. Winner of the Claude Duval Gravy Train winner. Oh, sorry. Uh, winner of the Specialist Writer of the Year at the HWPA's Kevin Blake! Yay! <laughs> oh. And there was me thinking Kevin would be drunk as a skunk and celebrating and i get in touch with you and say, oh, mate, I'm so thrilled for you. Turns out you weren't there. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I went to Fairy House on uh, on Sunday. I, I was under a bit of time pressure. I was only there for three races. And if you'd said to me there that uh, I wasn't going to get to the, the HWPAs, I said, well, I would have said, well, you better bring a baseball bat because I'm, I'm going. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I had a horrendous night on Sunday night. Um, oh, just, just, no. just very, very ill. Um, I was to be out of bed at four o'clock in the morning to get a to get a half seven flight, and it was just it just wouldn't it just couldn't happen. <laughs> it's absolutely not. It was it was horrible. Um, rough all day yesterday, but sure, typically enough, started to come around yesterday evening, and I'm pretty much good as gold today. Like so, it's just the most miserable timing of all time. Really sick to miss it now in, in every sense of the word, but um, at the same time. Brilliant. Yeah, really, really, real big thrill uh, and great to, to hear from so many people since. 
and um, I won't go on about it. I don't want you to go on about it. Um, but in summation, yeah, really, really, really happy day. Um, despite the the old uh, <laughs> the shoes on top of it. Yeah, that that's that's just cruel. It it's cruel because Declan Ricks was fully enjoying the gravy train and bragging about hanging out with Paul Nichols and all the big names. And there you are. I was about are. to say, I think Ricksy celebrated for you on your behalf. Oh, I definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, Disgrace disgrace himself. Yes. The rest of the racing fraternity were in the mitre, or as Ollie Murphy liked to call it, the meteor pub. And Ricksy was definitely enjoying himself on your behalf. I, I, I was just telling Jess before and I was in the cinema I was supposed to go to Joseph's Yard that morning for the launch of the Leopardstown Christmas Festival woke up and my back just went you're not going anywhere you fool so apologies to Leopardstown and uh, that meant that I was missing out on a bit of a gravy train as well but after physio I went to the cinema and there was an email from Mike Ward and I was like oh, what's this about and it's a picture of the trophy and I went, oh, Kev's won yes so absolutely delighted only to then find out he wasn't there. I'm delighted for you, Kev. Absolutely delighted for you. And Siri is thrilled as well as she dictates your article to me uh, on a weekly basis. Long may it continue and more awards to come. By the way, well done to Lydia Hislop as well. I, I cannot think of a finer winner. Um, everybody was a deserved nomination, but Lydia is... It's long over to you and I'm delighted for her that she won and she'll be back on the show in the new year. Uh, Lydia is busier than Kevin and I put together, which is saying something. The Fighting Fifth was live on Sky Sports Racing on Saturday and for the second week in a row, we had a Nicky Henderson big gun being backed as though defeat was out of the question. Oh, but it was in question. Uh, Altior sunk by surname Bouvedere sunk by Cornerstone Lad, Mickey Hammond getting a first grade one win for the yard. Uh, terrific ride from Henry Brook as well. But there's been a, a postscript to this too, which we'll get into. In terms of the Betfair exchange, last week we saw, and, and Kevin was making the point, and has been making this point for a long time, that the five minutes before the race goes off, Jess, is really the telling point mm. for the market. So we were seeing the huge move for Altior last week. We saw a huge move for Bouvedere on Saturday. How was that all playing out on the exchange? And then what was the carnage like in running? Yeah, well, as you say, I mean, it wasn't a there was a huge depth to the to the to the race. So actually, he was he was pretty strong throughout the day. He went off at one point one eight, and you know he jumped off smoothly, uh, like he always does. I thought, I think, huge credit to Henry Brook for taking the initiative on Cornerstone Lad and 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 making the running and really bowling along um, in, in great fashion. And it was throughout the race, Bouvedere looked looked pretty good until he had a bit of a blunder, um, and that's where we we found out subsequently where the piece of wood got got into his hoof. But it really looked like nothing. He was none the wiser. And he looked like he was going to poise a challenge. He dropped the last pretty smoothly. And he traded as low as 1.06 in running. But it was really at the it was really at the nail end of the race where he just really couldn't get there. Those dying strides. And he was just touched off by um by Cornerstone Lad, who was uh, I'm gonna say it again, 42.0 he was on the Betfair Exchange before the race. But I question to Kevin, I think, I mean, how much would that piece of wood have affected Bouvedere at that really, those dying strides? Because was, would it have been the momentum that would have carried him through and that that the impact of it would have been flared out after the race? Or do you think that it really affected him there and then? Um, look, it's impossible to know. But one thing you'd say like, is with horses, they, they can run through an awful lot. 
like it like it was a pretty odd injury or odd incident and like everyone seeing the picture at this stage of you know quite literally a, a spear of wood stuck in the horse's uh, coronet band uh, but I, I wouldn't like to think that it made a, that it made it could have I don't know but look like we've seen horses you know run through um, career ending injuries in the you know in the last furlong of races and go on to win you know so I I, I wouldn't like to I wouldn't like to read too much into it but um, you'd be very worried about the horse. Like I, I think they'll do incredibly well to get that horse back this season. Um, and like just reading about the surgery the horse has had, um, you know anyone that that's familiar with with horses picking up in picking up things to do with their coronet band, it takes so long, and like it, it just it's, it's such a tricky like and just to explain it in kind of the simplest terms I can for those that aren't familiar with it, the the area we're talking about is if you imagine a horse's foot or if you go on and look at a horse, a picture of a horse's foot, it's where the hair meets the hoof and it's where all the new growth of the hoof come, comes from, basically. And it's, it's a very like delicate area and the piece of wood has basically speared down through that kind of transition zone and has got in behind the hoof and seemingly it's broken off and there's a bit of wood left in and they've seemingly had to cut off a right chunk of hoof right at the top of the coronet band to get in to get this piece of wood out and it's going to take so long for that to grow back to normal because you basically have to wait for like imagine like you damaged the 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 very beginning of your fingernail uh, as i'm sure some of the listeners have um, i know i have is an extremely painful thing to happen yep. but it just it just takes you have to wait for the the whole length of fingernail to grow out basically before your fingernail returns to normal and that's what we're talking about here if they've had to take out a big chunk of of hoof right at the very top up by the coronet band it's going to take months and months for that to grow back to normal and um look your farriers are brilliant these days i'm sure um, Nikki's farrier might might have some tricks up his sleeve to try and help the, to help the thing along. Um, I'm not a farrier. I don't know what options are available to them. But um, like, for example, I, I have a mare here and she banged herself off a fence September 12 months ago up in, up in her coronet band. And that's, you know, 15 months ago. And I wouldn't need to point point to you where it happened if I showed her to you now. Like it's you can still it's still not look back to normal. You know, it takes a very long time for these things to come right. Um, so I, I would, and again, I'm not a farrier. This isn't my area of expertise, but personally, I'd be very surprised if he got back this season. Um, just just reading the description of what they've had to do to sort this out, uh, which is a real, real pity uh, for, you know, the horses' connections and uh, the, the division as a whole. Well, how you've explained that now explains why and the, and the way that you very succinctly broke that down for us explains why Nikki Henderson's been so cautious in speaking to Sky Sports Racing and, and to everybody really Sky Sports News every, every single media outlet he has spoken to he hasn't ruled out the prospect of him coming back this season but what you've said doesn't look good uh, I can confirm that as part of Betfair coming on board the Betfair Exchange joining the final Furlong podcast without the races, that our uh, big race correspondent Ivan is back. And Ivan Venko was at Newcastle and, and he had he got he filed this report for us. If you can make God bleed, then people will cease to believe in him. And they will be blood in the water. And the sharks will come. 
It's always quite similar in what he has to say, but it's... He's consistent. He's consistent. I'll I'll give him that. He is consistent. But I tell you, he always gives a powerful report that just happens to be on point. And there must be blood in the water now because Willie Mullins has announced that Sadlier is out until the new year, which not good news for Rory, Kevin and I. Uh, And it looks as though Bouvedere may miss Cheltenham. So what is the current reaction on the Bedford Exchange for the champion hurdle market? Yeah, well, as you said, it's been a big shake-up in the champion hurdle market, um, and it's it's pretty liquid as well. There's a there's a lot of a lot of action been going on, and and really classical dream. He's now trading at five point two um, is the favourite, but obviously with the news of Salvia, it's it's kind of opened up people's uh, thinking of, of what could come up. And Pendant Hills, he's going to be running uh, in ten days' time in the international. He's now in uh, from fourteen point zero to eight point zero, and I. I think people just because it's Nicky Henderson and what what he might be focusing on now for the champion hurdle, that could be one uh, a nice young horse that up and coming. And it does feel like it's a bit of a changing of the guard, really, with all of these big championship races. Um, so many horses, younger horses that have got options now, and and where Alain will will probably go on to later. And he's he's trading in as low as thirteen point zero, and after his great win on Sunday I think I think personally it would be strange to see him go to the champion hurdle but you've got to put it in your mind you know why not really and it it made me think of of Kevin's good article is one of his award-winning articles before the fighting fifth of all these novice chasers who perhaps will like now think of going back hurdling uh, you know you've got likes of Al's dancer and there are there are plenty of horses that could and trainers who who might think, well, why not give it a go? Yeah, what's your thought thoughts on that, Kevin? Because the irony here is that, of course, Bouvedere had gone novice chasing and then reverted, and it turned out to be an absolutely genius piece of placing from Nicky Henderson as he took the champion hurdle that that season. Uh, that that market is now, as Jess is saying, just a mess. Yeah, it's the champion herd, lads. I think some of these trainers need to need to show a bit of initiative now and, and make what for me would be a fairly straightforward decision. Um, we we the entries closed the other day for the December hurdle at Leopardstown, and um, there was there was no there was a couple of surprises. Well, I say surprises. Envoy Allen is in there. Um, Abacadabras is in there, um, but other than that, that there was no big surprises. I was hoping Willie, I was hoping Willie Mullins might put Melon in. Um, to give himself the option, you know, Mellon would be a, a big candidate to return to uh, hurdling for me. He's still a maiden over fences. Uh, you know, I know he was a shade disappointing in the champion last season, but he's gone very well. You know, nearly won one a couple of years ago. Um, so he'd be a very obvious candidate to come back hurdling. And as Jess says, that there's a few others there on on the English side as well. Um, Al Dancer, uh, Angels Brett, possibly. Um, oh, what's the other one on the tip of my tongue? Um, um, getaway Trump. Yes, that's exactly nice. the one that was on the tip of my tongue. Thank you, Jess. Um, you know, there, there's some good candidates there. And I know, you know, Melon is perhaps the only one that we know for sure mm-hmm. is good enough to go close in a champion hurdle. But the others would be very worthy of their chance to 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 show that they can come up to that level. Uh, because, you know, it's so wide open that Boover there looks like he's out for the season there, I say. Um, Saldier has, you know, he has clearly has a problem. He's been difficult to train as much as we'd love to see him get back. There mm-hmm. must be a, um, a big red flag beside his name now. Uh, Henry de Bromhead uh, and and connections 
are seem very, very bullish that Honeysuckle will go no place else other than the Mayor's Hurdle. I'd mm-hmm. love to persuade them otherwise, but mm. um, they seem very, very bullish that they're going to go Mayor's. Um, maybe things will change in the meantime. Uh, Benny the Ju, could she drop back to two? It's a question mark. I'd love I'd to see love, her have a go, but, it, but again, that. they haven't they haven't given her an entry in uh, um, over two miles of Christmas, which is slightly surprising um, to give themselves the option. Uh, but I think fellas just need to be a little bit aggressive. I, I and I'd be all for a novice having a crack uh, at the at the older horses oh, no. and Allen, who will, why not? You know, no. we, 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 you only just, get just, be, just 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 be, just because Moon Racer is too shy to do it. You only get one <laughs> chance to win a Supreme Novices Hurdle, and it's this season. Uh, who cares? You you tell yeah, him you know, win a champion hurdle. That's where legends are made. You yeah, know, and, we, and, we, and we, what we, happened with we, we three novices? With three novices, win a champion hurdle in the in the nineties. And what happened um, to Moonraiser? You know, Ryan, it shot him to pieces. Like it's a completely who, different thing. You're running a who, championship who, pace. Who did? What shot? Who was shot to pieces? When he ran in the champion hurdle, he got blown to pieces at championship pace. Who? It's a different thing. Moonraiser. Yeah, but he, Moonraiser wouldn't have won a supreme or champion if he started last week. <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't the issue there. You know, Rhinestone, Rhinestone Cowboy ran a Stormer as an novice and a champion over, you know, what the fullness of time showed us was a, a completely inadequate trip. Um, you know, I know it's not directly comparable, but the, the supreme is often running a faster time than um, than the champion. You know, if you if you're a horse with with loads of experience. Um, that that looked up to it. I have a crack, you know. Fortune favors the brave, um, you know. And, and look, I wouldn't be wrecking the connections of Envoy Allen's heads until you know until he passes a few more tests. But you know, if something went and won the the, the Grade One at the Dublin Racing Festival in good style and had plenty of experience under their belt, I think people would be very much justified. In, you know, assuming. A cast iron champion hurdle candidate hasn't uh, exploded from the woodwork in the meantime. I'd be all for it, and I wouldn't normally be, but you know, these these horses, it's hard to keep them right. And if, if something is absolutely bombing, um, come March, uh, as a novice and the champion hurdle looks as open as it is, I would I would give them every encouragement in the world. Yeah. You know, it, it's it, it it can be done, as we saw many oh. times in the nineties. Uh, it, it's not something that's been examined all that much um, in the noughties and beyond. I, I think Rhinestone Cowboy Moon Race are the only two to try it yeah, in the last like 15 years or that. But um, it should be tried more. It should be tried more. And and more novices should run the likes of the champion chase, I think, as well. You know, I think we... we, we, we <laughs> I don't want to use the word mollycoddle because look, the program is there. Um, but, you know, I, I wrote an article a few years ago proposing that you know grade one novice chases cease to exist exist from march the first onwards yeah and uh, the very best novice chasers have to go into open company and uh, anything below i forget what number i had maybe 155 have a couple of valuable novice handicap chases for those that aren't up to the mark but you know I, i've no doubt the very best novice the, the very would say the article winner every year will be very competitive in the champion chase in the same year and uh, I suspect they win it a, few, a good few years as well, but uh, that's slight sidetrack now. Well, but Altior, um, when he won the Oracle, would have won that season's champion chase. Oh, you could you could find plenty of examples, I reckon. Um, and it's just it's it's just I think we've gone down the wrong road in National Hunt racing, and and it's perfectly logical in many ways that we we've set out to give every horse 
an option. Novice, open class, every trip, options, options, options. Whereas I think if we wanted to really maximize this sport and make it um, the very best spectacle possible, we should be minimizing options for the very best horses and funneling them in against each other. Because it's just, you know, it, before when we had a three-day festival, you would get many, you, you, you'd be building up all season to Cheltenham and you get there and you get to see the clashes. But now we have four days, multiple new options. And sometimes we get to Cheltenham and we don't even get to see the clashes we want to see because there, there's scope for ducking and diving. Um, and again, it's kind of a wider conversation, but it's just been on my mind a little bit lately. And I, I just this, and, and I think racing fans have been brainwashed a little bit by the programme you know, that that we, we're almost encouraging connections to take the easy option when really, as racing fans, we should be putting every ounce of pressure on them to make the brave call, to do the, the ballsy thing, to throw a good novice into the champion hurdle, you know, things like that, you know, because that that's just such uh, a fascinating thing to see play out. How will they get on? You know, how, how will the young horse get in against the Zellers? First time we see it on the very biggest stage, can they do it? You know, it's absolutely, um, it, 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 it's mesmerising to think about it, you know. So, uh, anyway, that's me completely off point. Apologies. No, no uh, nothing agree. to apologise. I, I agree with you, Kev, yeah. as well. But I just think that from, in recent years, you know, Lorena last year didn't really kind of work out. Well said. And then... And then also from Gordon Elliott's perspective, there's been so much emphasis on the champion hurdle in the recent years, you know, with Sam Crow, the obsession with it. And then really it was nearly fans' uh, pressure to get Apple's Jade in it as well. And then it doesn't really work out. So is it the safer option to do a sort of a LeBake route and go and win a race at Cheltenham with a young horse and then take them to punch us down and go that way? And maybe it's not, Maybe it's not just uh, novices. It's just what one trainer is, has had before that can sort of mean that the options there are just easier to go with. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those. Like, I think I don't think Lorena would have won a mare's hurdle. She just wasn't in. She wasn't herself at the time. You know, Apple's Jay the same. She wouldn't have won the mare's hurdle when a furlong had started in the form she was in uh last March, you know, it's Neither just it's one of today. these that you know, you can talk about the likes of O'Tour. You know, if O'Tour had run in the gold cup in the form he was in in that Ryanair, um, he would have been right bang there, you'd imagine. You know, if he if he'd run in the geez, if he'd run in the champion chase the the year he won the JLT, you might well have won that. You know, he, um, and you know, when horses are turning up for March in, in, in raging hot form you know, I think if if you, you know, it's all hypothetical, but if you threw them into the deepest company, you know, the, the best horses will, will be right bang there, um, even if they lack a bit of experience. Like, like, ultimately, like, you look at the likes of Coney Gree, who I don't think will go down as a as a brilliant Gold Cup winner by any means, but how many chases did he have before he ran in the Gold Cup? What was it, his fourth or something like that? Mm. And he won a Cheltenham Gold Cup. Yeah, but one thing though, Kev, that's a, it's a very good point to make, and he won a Gold Cup, but didn't it finish him? Ah, he was kind of fundamentally unsound before he ever got to a gold cup, I think. But it's that, you know, the ultimately the argument is, you know, does lack of experience hold these horses back at the highest level? And I certainly in chasers, because at the end of the day, with chasers, novice chasers, like in most cases, you know, some have come from point to points, some have come from bumpers, 
almost all of them will have had a full season over hurdles. Like in terms of racing experience, they have loads by the time they go novice chasing, which is, you know, ultimately my thinking and trying to get rid of grade one novice chases after March, because by the time you get to March of their novice chase season, you know, most of them will have had 10 plus races, some of them many, many more. You know, they don't need Molly Codlin after that. You know, if they're good enough, throw them into the highest level and see if they can swim. And if they're not good enough, throw them into a novice handicap chase at the back end of the card. Because ultimately, we want the very best taking on the very best. It's just it's just such a frustration to see horses bossing the novice divisions and looking like superstars. And we're all thinking, oh, can't wait to see him next year in open company. And they get hurt. And it turns out, that, you know, because it's, it's a long time to get to, get to a horse's open chase season you know let's just say for for purely argument's sake you have a season of bumpers a season of novice hurdles season of novice chases it you're in your fourth season before you get to the very highest level and you need an awful lot of good fortune for a horse to to be in tip-top form by the time it gets to its fourth season you know most aren't robust enough to to come through that much racing and still be tip top of course the superstars you like to think they will but geez there's endless examples of horses that don't and I, I just think we're costing ourselves a lot of a lot of really, you know, extremely exciting uh, clashes by by just giving horses so many options just to keep to their keep to novice divisions um, for for so many years before we, we send them. We put them in against the very best, you know, um, and I know look, to do what I'm suggesting, you have to completely change, throw away a whole load of history, stomp all over the history book, you might say. And um, and completely change the program, but um, I just think this, and again, a very wide conversation now. But I think if we want to make the very very best of the game we have, and to make it the most exciting possible sport, you know, I think we have to maybe do a, some make some drastic changes that you know move away from giving horses every option in the world. And making 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 it so that the very best horses are funneled into the focus points of the season, and that'll just lead to, you know, events. You know, the Cheltenham Festival is great as it is, but it could be so so much better, you know, if we would with a bit of tinkering, um, and and you know, it, it'd be something that we could, as a sport, you know, as as a marquee event for a sport, it would stand up against anything anywhere. Blake's rant is brought to you in association with Bet Blake. Get your shortest price now on the Cheltenham Festival. The shortest odds and runner no bet. Bet Blake rants. The dehydration might be driving me a bit mad. Get a Diorolite, man. Get a di- somebody get a Diorolite into that man uh, to get some uh, actual fractional odds on the show. Bouvedere at two to thirteen is the shortest priced grade one loser in Ireland or Britain since Istabrak in the same colours way back in 1999 uh, prize for guessing the right odds he was sent off Kev Jess 1 to 8 Jess 1 to 8 you, you, you can't say the same one thing to ten. 
one to ten. One to seven. Winner goes to Kevin Blake. Oh. Uh, seven's on Mr. Brack was. So uh, nicely done. That preps you for the Christmas quiz, uh, Kevin. You don't get to ask the questions this year. Uh, the quiz master will be oh, Adam Webb. So you're going to be thrown in at the deep end. Um, oh, we should, before we move on, give a notable mention to Cornerstone Lad. It's a great piece of placing. This horse won on a mark of 65 on the flat. So I can completely understand why Barry was giving him so much rope because you can think this horse is going to come back to you, but he didn't. Um, well, not towards the end, anyway. Jess has already asked you about the, the impact that the injury would have had on, on Bouvedere, but this was a great piece of placing from Mickey Hammond, and he's heading now, it looks like, for the champion hurdle trial at Haydock. That's fantastic. You'd be delighted for his connections, and, you know, no disrespect in that. We, we focused on Bouvedere there, but, you know... it. You know, to put him in there when he had so much to find was ballsy in itself. But to ride him as they then did was fantastic. You know, tapes went up, nothing wanted to go on. Henry Brook went, hi, Jose Silver, away you go. Um, you know, normally when you're in a race like this with loads to find, you're happy enough to tootle around in the back and, and look to pick up some pieces late on. But um, really, really used his initiative. And um, yeah, they'll, I'm sure they'll all look back on this with, with an awful lot of fondness for, for the rest of their days because this was a really good job done uh, by trainer, jockey and by horse. I'll tell you what was... Yeah, I'm to say they were as surprised as anyone else afterwards. I know that on the on the day at Newcastle, they, the owners absolutely loved it and, you know, fair place to them. It's brilliant to see a trainer and jockey combination have a first grade one success in, in that kind of style. Well said, Jess. It was also all class for Mickey Hammond to express concern for Bouvedere in his winning interview because he can make it all about himself and the horse and, yeah, we're geniuses. Look, we, we've placed him here. But he did express concern about the fact that Barry had jumped off Bouvedere and that he hoped he was okay. And subsequently, that really brought the attention to the fact, oh, I wonder, is he all right? And No, he's not. And could be out for the season. Yeah. So well done to the Hammond team. Uh, all roads lead to Haydock for them. And they have taken a, a huge scalp. Hopefully, Bouvedere will return. Uh, but time will tell, as Kevin Blake has said on the show on many an occasion. The ground at Newcastle was heavy. Very, very different story at Newbury. We'll switch to the Friday for the first day of the Ladbrokes Winter Festival. Uh, the ground there, proper jumping ground, good to soft. And on the Friday, we saw one of the stars of the show. It was a fantastic three days of racing it really was uh, Paisley Park the serious hurdle champion gets the better of the old boy Thistlecrack 11 years young and he ran his heart out with the world's end and you know what I mean Harry well in the rear view mirror um, he was well supported I suggest before the off on the Betfair exchange um, I would have thought yeah, that his, his current price Jess should be the price that he was before he ran in this race and that if he was with Willie Mullins, he would be seven to four, and would probably now be evens. That that seven to four is probably actually a bit of value if you're looking for a, a banker bet for Cheltenham in your lucky sixty-nine or whatever uh, at, attempt at getting disgustingly rich by placing an anti-post wager on Cheltenham is because it doesn't really seem like there's anything there that can challenge him. He just seems to be far and away head and shoulders above everything else in this division. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was wonderful to see. He's got that really um, interesting running running style where, where you always are quite confident that he's just going to get there and that he, he never really traded too far out of his, uh, his BSP price of 1.55. He he was, I think Aidan Coleman always looked quite confident and even though Thistlecrack gave him a good battle at the end, um, you know, it was probably the, the minimum trip that he wants to have at a track like Newbury. 
Um, and Paisley Park, as you say, who who is there to really compete against him? I, I personally would have loved loved the connections of Thistlecrack to say, yeah, we'll, we'll keep at the hurdles, but it seems that they're going to go take him back to the King George and fair play, a race he loves. But yeah, Paisley Price uh, for the stale, stairs has just come in so slightly. He's currently trading at about 2.76, and it's hard to see what his biggest danger will be. Um, the three miles... Uh, um, Next, uh, Ascot will really play to his strengths. I can see him winning there. I can see him winning until Cheltenham. So delighted for him and delighted for his owner of the year, Andrew Gemmell, as well. Yeah, well said. Uh, Michael Tabor has has picked up Verdana Blue for a, a fairly hefty sum of money. Uh, Nicky Henderson's horse will, will stay with Nicky Henderson, but now in the colours of Michael Tabor, um, I think she's going to race. Don't have to do it anyhow. <laughs> because Andrew Gemmell gets owner of the year and in the process beats Tabor and the Coolmore team, uh, yes. Khaled Abdullah. Oh. It's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. And by the way, deserved. Deserved win. What a story. And that, that Thursday... We're talking about Paisley Park. <laughs> yeah, and he's the owner. He deserves that. You know... Not a mention of a big price sale at the, the Chattersall. Oh, big price horse. December sale. We've, we've got a big price. We've got a big price horse who's who's related to Del Arca that we get to talk about from Joseph O'Brien's yard a little bit later on. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, but Andrew is is an amazing story. He's clearly a remarkable man, and he gets some kick out of racing, and he's got a star, Kev. Like, this horse, show me something that can beat him because I don't see it. Yeah, I was I was really happy with him to be honest. Um, he he was actually quite sparky for for him. You know, he's a horse that we know he can he can hit a bit of a flat buttons races. But he was coming here fresh and like I was very happy with the way he travelled, the way he jumped. Like he he travelled into the race well for him. Like no hint of a flat spot. And um, for me, he won well. You know, I think if Tesla Crack was a bit closer to him, he would have won a little bit further. Um, so lovely come back in Paisley Park. But you'd be you'd be very happy with Tesla Crack too. Like. He um he just he, he jumped like a chaser, you know. He, he was very close to the Paisley Park all the way, and if you watched them, you know, relative to each other, you know, Tisselcrack consistently lost ground to Paisley Park at his jumps because Tisselcrack was going up in the air, whereas Paisley Park was jumping him a lot flatter. Um, so to to run as well as he did, um, what was a great run from him, you know, at his age and everything else. I know he's old, but he you know he doesn't have huge mileage on the clock, um, so. You know, what do you do with him? Can he win a gold cup? Uh, for me, no chance. Uh, could he run very well in the stairs hurdle? I think definitely so. It's not a very deep division. So if he were mine and, you know, the horse has done so much in his career um, and he, you know, being realistic, he's kind of in the the, the, la- the latter end of his career. You know, I very much keep him to hurdles. I, I could definitely see him winning a grade at the hurdle, you know, because he hasn't been running over hurdles in recent seasons. You know, he escapes penalties in in all those hurdle races. Um, so, you know, they could run him in a grade three, give him an easy kill and, um, and you know, look to take Paisley Park on later in the season. That's what I do, but um, he's not mine, unfortunately. I'd love to have a horse uh, uh, with a quarter of his ability, but unfortunately not. Uh, but they'll go back over fences and sure, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I think it, there'd, be, there'd be easier pickings for him uh, over hurdles myself for all that he clearly jumps them like fences, but it, uh, it didn't stop him running a, a very, very big race here. It's a decent programme book for stairs racing in Ireland as well, and we don't necessarily have an absolute superstar in that division. Honeysuckle's going to be going for the mares, um, so fair enough if you were clashing with her, but 
there's a lot of money to be won. And yet he's going to run in a very deep King George, which I just don't really understand, Jess. Um, maybe it's the yeah. last roll of the dice with Thistlecrack, but you, your thoughts on both of them, on, on Paisley Park and on, on Thistlecrack, would you, would, would you revert? Well, I, I agree with Kev. I agree with everything you said. I just think that it's, it's a weak enough or a windy division, as we like to call it. Bar Paisley. Um, and obviously he's run very admirable races in the King George was a great second last year but that was a very different King George to what we're going to have um this Christmas and you would you would want to see him at this at this stage of his career just going out and winning races and turning up and enjoying himself instead of being thrown in at the deep end and I would I would say exactly the same I'd say keep him at this and and he went and proved himself on Friday that he can he can go really close and that they can have fun and be in the winner's enclosure so why not? Um, and he's going to be a he's going to be a big price, and he's going to have to come up some really young um, and improving chases. And yes, his, he he jumps like a chaser, but he doesn't jump too badly in the hurdles either. So yeah, keep him there. And but you know the Tizards they love their chases, and I think that's where they'll, mm. they'll they'll keep him there. He's run a blinder, to be fair. This is crack. He's run a blinder, yeah. and I know that Colin is saying he'll improve for the run, but geez, he need to. Uh, Paisley Park is thirteen to eight. If we were to use the old fractions, so the decimal price so for him uh, for the stairs hurdle currently is just is two point seven two. So if you hover over with your mouse, Emmett, oh, I then know, the, I then know. the fraction comes up, and it's seven seven to four. So yeah, he's yeah he got a little bit more support after the race, but as you said before, it was not going to really. It wasn't going to change the market massively um, if the cat fits is behind him 9.8. Um, and it's it's a race which is is wide open. So that had Emma Lavelle quite nervous. Her nerves were very calm after that. And then on Saturday, when again we had good to soft ground at Newbury, she goes and wins the big race of the weekend, you could argue. Um, I would say that there was stronger strength and depth around, but it was certainly the most valuable. The Labricks Trophy Chase goes to the Rasher County. Ben Jones, big day for him. Huge performance for Emma Lavelle as well. Uh, the conditional ran an absolute stormer and elegant escape under top weight. Looks like a, a national horse, whether it's going to be back to the Welsh National or maybe save him for, for entry. I'm not entirely sure, but fascinating race Jess um, what was your take on it yeah I, I agree it was brilliant for Emma Lavelle that what a wonderful double for her and she was saying throughout the week she was really bullish about Durasha mm. Counter but it was actually really easy to back on the day he went off at 20.06 on the exchange and sorry say that, uh, as what, you said, what, say that again 20.06 to was, be completely accurate he was 12 <laughs> to 1 but you could get 20.06 on Betfair Value of the exchange, on it. It's Jesus Christ. One of the one of the best values of the of the day, really. Um, and as you said, Ben James, Ben Jones, what a ride! He oh, he, he had the initiative to press on early enough, really, um, when it came to the final couple of offences. But he knew he had plenty of horse underneath them to take him to the line. And as you said, a great run by the conditional um, uh, back in in second as well. And you know, I think that. This was always their Gold Cup, really, this race. They were always rooting for it, but now they're kind of trying to think of whether this is a Grand National horse. They, I actually saw Emma yesterday at the awards and she said maybe they could even think of the Gold Cup, perhaps. You know, you've got to think of this horse in this phase. He's only ever ran over over fences five times. Um, so, you know, a brilliant, brilliant win in a race where a lot of horses 
didn't really run their races on the blind side. OK Corral, who went to a favourite, 13.34. He showed he showed up well for a long way, but he looked like he really needed the run. I still think he retains a lot of ability. Um, and as you said, the ground was plenty quick enough for a lot of these horses. Mm. Um, elegant escape, only seven. The first three in, in this were seven-year-olds. Um, so these are really horses that have got got something to aim for next. They've got lots of potential. He definitely wanted more ease in the ground and he had a there was a bit of money for him for the Welsh National afterwards um, and the Grand National. And Kevin, I know you said something in the past about how trainers tend to be a bit self-conscious about putting headgear on a horse, but blinkers and a change of tactics looked to really benefited Elegant Escape here. Yeah, I thought he ran a stormer. Now, Jess, um, the blinkers, I think the blinkers did their job in a way, but the, the two things about this race for Elegant Escape, I, I, I fancied him, uh, but I thought the ground would be a lot softer than it was. You know, time form have called it good, you know, based on the times. And uh, I wouldn't have been fancying if I thought the ground was going to be like that. And the other thing about this race that's important when to when you're looking back at it is um, the, the the pace was not over strong, not what you'd expect for this race normally. And anything that was up handy uh, coming into the closing stages seemed to be favoured. And the rasher counter was was ideally placed. Um, and the conditional having having raced uh, in mid-div early, uh, Brendan Powell made the, made the quite clever move to uh, to get him into the race good and early. Whereas Elegant Escape, uh, you know, as we know, he he's as slow as a funeral. And um, as much as Harry Cobden would have liked to have taken closer order, the horse just isn't very fast and didn't he didn't really have the option. Um, so for him to finish off the race so well, I, I thought that was a massive run, a massive run. Um, and what I would suggest you do if you are that way inclined is uh, take all your money and put an elegant escape for the Welsh National. I was going to ask <laughs> you, ain't true Welsh it, National? Yeah. Go steal a troker box, empty it, put it all in elegant escape. Um, I, I thought he ran an absolute stormer. Um, he went from the Hennessy to the Welsh National last year. Um, you know, if you're getting involved now, you're obviously taking it. Uh, in the hope that the ground is absolutely bottomless at Chepstow we can normally rely on it being at least soft um, and he, he just seemed really well suited by the test that race presented um, last season he's, he's going to be a bit higher in the weights this time but you know this race uh, on Saturday his performance showed to me that he's more than capable of being of being competitive in a big one off around his current mark and um, yeah, this, this, was, this was a big big run I hope to keep the blinkers on at Chepstow. And uh, yeah, if, if the ground comes up as we expect it to do normally there, um, I think he'll take fair whacking. I know it's a Welsh national and it's going to be mad competitive, um, but he's really well suited by the test that presents. And based on this, he'll be going into it in, in banging good form. And uh, yeah, that, that'd be that'd be my take. That was what was ringing in my ears now immediately after uh, the Labrooks Trophy. And I, I can't imagine I'd be budget from that view. Uh, up to St. Stephen's Day, as we like to call it in this neck of the woods. Pop quiz, Jess Stafford. What price is Elegant Escape for the Welsh National on the Bedford Exchange? Well, currently it's uh, the market is suspended because it's the early closing at the moment. So we don't have a market up at the moment for the Welsh National. Um, so It's a shambles. It's an absolute shambles. Uh, no, it's. Uh, I know that. I know that. Uh, I'm just trying to find it because I know that it was 
it was suspended just today. Yeah, he'd be about a 10 or 12 to 1 shot. Jesus, um, he was 3-1 favourite if, Col- if Colin Tizard Here runs Native River, um, that means Elegant Escape will have 11-5, um, which would be a, a lovely weight uh, for one with his ratings. Absolutely. Yeah, when it opens up again tomorrow, I mean, he's currently, he was 10.5 before it was just suspended today, but he that's that's what that's what he is at the moment, 10.5 on the Betfair yeah. Exchange. Troker boxes, everything. Lash it on. Just remember... <laughs> Take and if if you are so inclined, take that audio clip of Kevin Blake with the gamble responsible element of the show being beg, borrow, steal the troker boxes and lump it all on elegant escape. You can't go wrong. Uh, gamble responsibly on Saint Stephen's <laughs> Day. <laughs> just get stuck in for Boxing Day, and uh, yeah, that's the Box, that's, Boxing Day. That's your your ninety percent off Christmas presents like on Saint Stephen's Day giveaways all sorted. Your Go and buy all the branded gear you want. You're sorted. Yeah, bo- Boxing Day. You'll need a box when you're going collecting all your winnings. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so that's the story. If you're, really, if you're really inclined, you've also currently 25.0 for the Grand National. Okay. Which if he, if he runs well, even if he doesn't win, if he, if he runs well, that's a, that's a pretty... A pretty decent price. Still, and to be fair to him, what one thing that it showed that you know, for all that I didn't really think it would suit him, it shows that he can operate very well on good ground. You know, and the entry being entry nowadays, they'll never be good ground. They'll water it down to at least good to soft. But mm. um, you know, he showed he shows that he doesn't need it bottomless. Um, but I think he, his attributes are best uh, best shown off when the ground is testing. Quick line on anything um, else in behind, Kev. Dingo Dollar, he, he shaped well. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he'll finish a respectful distance behind Elegant Escape for <laughs> Chepstow if he goes there. <laughs> um, Cabaret Queen was representing you, Jess. I know you were super excited when I was talking to you on Friday. It didn't quite go to plan, but she's okay. She's okay, yes. Um, it was what a joy it was to be part of such an enthusiastic, slightly mad bunch of shareholders and syndicates.racing that Jack Cantillon put together are a wonderful um, group of people. We had some crack, especially going around on a carousel for what felt like an hour in the background of the opening <laughs> of ITV Racing. And um, we were really able to enjoy ourselves despite the result. Uh, I think she was pretty flat, to be honest. Paul Pernan came off and was quite bemused by the way she ran. And um, and we, she coughed a bit after the race, so we got our scope, but nothing came out. She few knocks and bumps. I think that she just didn't particularly like coming back over to England. So we might just keep her in Ireland. Um, there are plenty of races for her, and she's got a good enough um, hurdle mark. So, and we celebrated regardless. It was a brilliant. Uh, it was a brilliant day, and some lovely people, and uh, just the, the the run of it coming into the, the WhatsApp group. The excitement of even coming over on the plane and where we go out the night before it was just brilliant that's a that's a good hashtag for the syndicate now going forward hashtag cabaret queen hates england yeah. <laughs> coming from an english woman that brings us nicely along to our segment on the show brexit what's your current thoughts no 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 this is a safe this is a safe space you're okay it's all right it's not happening Shh, relax it's okay no, I'm very Irish. I, I am. I am. I promise. Educated at Trinity, so I like to call myself pretty much nearly Irish. Yeah, Trinity. Are you, are you a Leinster rugby fan, darling? 
<laughs> monster all, all the way Good, uh, <laughs> as a Kilkenny man who spent 15 years in Cork and kind of still does uh, I'm a monster rugby fan as well so yeah Kilkenny for life monster rugby fan for life as well uh, in terms of the Friday we'll come to the novice chasers in a second and, and deal with champ but I was really taken with Epitant. I, I thought she looks an absolute star and obviously a fantastic result for Nicky Henderson on, on a difficult enough day with, for him with Bouvedere. Uh, he had the 1-2-3, but a six-length win for her. Um, what did you make of that performance, Kev? Yeah, I, I was watching this mare quite closely last season. Um, she, she she likes to get on with it. Like she's Last season now in particular, she was very, very strong um, on a number of occasions. Like We're very free. Um, so I was watching her closely here just to see had she settled down a little bit over the summer, and and she was better now because they didn't they didn't go a hectic gallop here, which wouldn't have helped her. She got plenty of cover. She took her grip now, but she wasn't she wasn't uh, you know free to the extent where it, it looked like a notable problem. Um, her jumping was was just grand. Looking at my notes here, grand in the main. I called a small mistake at the second last. Um, but smooth headway picked up well, strong run in. Um, you know, look in the season that's in it now. You know, uh, I don't think personally she'd be a candidate for the mayor's hurdle. I wouldn't be going a step further than two miles with her. Um, she she's just that that strong that I I'd just be worried she'd uh, she'd be too free over a longer trip. So like it wouldn't be a million to one that she could potentially step up to to the step up and grade you know this was a handicap obviously but i could see her stepping up into good graded company and you know i wouldn't be surprised if we arrived to march with a, for the champion hurdle with a, a number of horses there towards the top of the market that right now fellas would look at you like a lunatic if you suggested they'd be there you know an epitant just potentially could be one that that takes that steps up into the void um, because there's loads of talent there, she just needs to relax a little bit better, and I think she'll she'll find it easier to do so. Hopefully, in in better company, where they go a bit more of a gallop in front of her. Well, I'm very glad you said that because I was going to ask you: Would it be mad to suggest that she could go for the champion hurdle? I, I assume she's a massive price, but maybe she isn't. Yeah, it's so windy. Carly twenty sevens on the back okay. exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I don't think I think she's always been held really highly in regard by her connections. She didn't really I don't know if she suited Charlotte last time or she was just didn't didn't have a great experience. She was really well fancied that day yeah. um, in the mayor's novice. Um but she was one of the best back tours of the day on Saturday. Um and I think that she's they, ironically they kind of, they took off the blinkers, which they had um the, the on, hood, yeah. Yeah, the hood, sorry. And and she's whatever's happened she's obviously grown up a little bit she's had a good summer but I think that this is a horse that they've always really liked um I wouldn't be surprised if they put her in something like the Christmas hurdle um it would go down very well in our household we have her half sister she's currently ah, he's currently in fold to her sire no risk at all so we've got a lot of the family so up to I'm hoping I'm that she goes into these she steps up now because I know that they've always really liked her, so this is one that I was really pleased to see win uh, so well on Saturday. And what do they like as characters now, as a matter of interest, the, the relations? Uh, lo- lovely, lovely. It, really? We uh, you can tell yeah. the truth now, we won't tell anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. Tansy C is her half-sister, who, who she's out in France, actually, and she's produced some beautiful, she's got two fillies. Actually, there was a video going around of A.P. McCoy schooling a chestnut horse um, at his uh, pre-training yard in near Lambourne, 
and that was one of uh, Chauncey C's four-year-old by Midnight Legend. So it's all part of the family, and he's been shaping up well. The, the, the Phillies have been lovely, the nice, strong-looking, and um, we're hopeful for the family. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm an Epitant Appreciation Society member well, over here. Well, now, hold on. I'm, I'm looking here now at Alton Cece. I'm looking at her form here from a few years back, and I'm looking down through the trip notes of her, and I spy one here at Sandown on the 3rd of December 2011. Took fierce hold. <laughs> fierce hold, no less. Uh I'm looking at another one here. Took keen hold of Doncaster to follow his marriage. <laughs> yeah, she she did. She was. Jess, are you being yeah, honest she, with us? She was. She was. I'm not trying to sell any of these horses. I promise. Because <laughs> you know Kevin does that the whole time on the show, and we get a nice healthy commission. We don't, by the way. We don't <laughs> I'm only slagging, but it, you know, one assumes that it's, it it could be something that runs through the family. They're just a little bit strong, um, and look, that that's not a bad thing. I know I. You know, it's something like I, I probably emphasize more than most people reading races, just how well horses settle. And I know I always, Willie Mullins always looks at me funny because I, I, I often say things to Willie like, yeah, he gets a little bit strong early on. Would you, would you drop him in trip? And Willie always replies the exact same way. He's like, well, Kevin, I, I actually like them being quite strong, so I'm not going to change anything. I actually quite like them like that. So. <laughs> I haven't learned my lesson in years. I keep saying things like that to him, um, but he, he evidently isn't as bothered by it as me. Um, my, you know, but the way I read it, my thought is like if they're pulling and the jockeys having to um, having to fight them a little bit, it's just it, like it's a physical impossibility that they're not wasting energy by doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's always my thought. I, I like to see my horses um, uh, on the bridle, but not 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 fighting. And not not um, not not over racing, but um, not like when he bumped a horse me. on Sunday. Oh who, good God! Oh, who, <laughs> God, poor, poor Patrick Mullins. He looked like he didn't. I know he's a strong man, but that horse made him Fernie Hollow made him look like oh, it was like a horrible time with him. Exactly yeah, that. Pa- Patrick's a big hardy lad now, and he for him to struggle so much tells you how hard that horse was Fernie Hollow this is how hard yeah. he was pulling my we'll we'll talk about him later I'm sure when yeah. Kevin wants to talk about it his expensive horse but um by God that was that was some display of pulling and, and to still be involved in the finish um you wouldn't you wouldn't often see it now so you know that there's a, a fair old engine underneath the old bonnet there. Well speaking of feral engines and horses having a lot of nervous energy that brings us along to Ferry House and the Royal Bond Novice Hurdle uh, we'll start with because this is exactly what Davy Russell was talking about when it comes to Envoy Alain. £400,000 looks money well spent at the uh, back in 2018 at the Cheltenham sales um, but he does exhibit nervous characteristics and a lot of nervous energy before the race. Davy says he doesn't work him at Gordon's um, and that the girl who does does a remarkable job with them. He displayed some fairly feisty characteristics going down to the start, Kev. But then once the race began, he's he's built like a brick house, like he's built like a chaser. And he seems to just do everything so easily. Like the, the racing game just really comes to him easily. The hype is very, very real with this fella. Yeah, he's just a very, very good horse now. Um, like I said earlier, I was only at Fairy House for the first three now, but uh, you know he was obviously the focus of attention. And you know before David got on him, he he's, it was it was grand. You know he's a very relaxed horse. 
um, in in the parade ring. But you know, he clearly once the rider's on his back, it's go time for him. And yeah, you'd just be delighted, wouldn't it? Because I, I was fearful he'd be vulnerable over this course and distance. You know, I was taking him on. Uh, I thought, right, if the, like, oh, I've always had great regard for him, but my view was, right, two and a half miler um, at the least in the making based on his bumper form. And, you know, it's sharp enough around Fairy House over two miles in a race that they don't, they often don't go, they go below average pace. Um, so I thought, I was fearful he might be a bit vulnerable, but look, Davey gave him a, a no-nonsense ride. You know, for a big um, chaser in the making, nimble at his hurdles, um, you know, took a good enthusiastic hold without, the, he took the kind of hold I want to see a horse take. He was there in Davey's hands the whole time, but no more, just there, there when he wanted him and put him into the race as as he pleased and was always on top. And, you know, what you'd really like to see is, you know, Davey, um, off the top of my head, I'm fairly sure he didn't pick up a stick until the run in. He might have given him two. Mm-hmm. And you could see visibly the horse responded and, and he took a little bit of pulling up. You know, he's only one a length and a half. He mightn't have set everyone alight, but for me, he's one with loads. You know, he's beaten a real speed horse in uh, in Abacadabras and and did it with a fair bit to spare, you know. He's he's worthy of the hype now. He he's he's a very very good horse, and you you just to be very much. Look at. It'd be interesting to see what Gordon does with him now. If he goes to Christmas, if he waits for Nace, you know, uh, he he gave him a good for the type of horse he is. Like Gordon gave him a, a quite aggressive campaign last season, so um, it'll it'll be fascinating to see how many runs he gives him between now and Cheltenham. You know, obviously touching everything that he that he stays fine between now and then um, had a cut after the race um, a nasty enough one now just just on the the front of his pastern um, from I think he hit the last um, you know Ted Walsh gave quite a colourful uh, a colourful view on the the timber hurdles that they use and to be honest I fully agree with him um, we, we've seen it twice now in the space of two days over there and then Voyala and getting injuries uh, jumping these timber hurdles. Uh, look, they, they've served, they've done their time, uh, and I just, I just, think they're safer alternatives there now. Um, where did I see them? The, these kind of plasticky hurdles, not the easy fix ones now, but the, these new plasticky ones. I saw them at Ascot myself there a few months ago. They use them in Cork now as well, I believe. Yeah, and and they just seem. A safer alternative. I, I don't know, and, and if there if there is a downside to them, let me know because I've asked the question to a few people now. Right? Is there a downside to switching? Uh, and nobody's been able to give me a, a downside. And if there isn't a downside, and there there are safer, it should be a bit of a no brainer. Um, and, and I suspect we'll get there. It's just a case of when fellas stump up and, and pay for them. Um, but you know that that was a bit of an issue. I'd say looking look. I, I'm not a vet now, but I did get a fairly close look at it, and it looked like something that would need a few stitches. So um, hopefully it won't hold them up too much. Um, but yeah, you, you, and you know sometimes you know in Irish racing in particular, you know if for I know an awful lot of our listeners are, are English and maybe haven't been national hunt racing in Ireland, but. Um, before and after races like this where there's a horse that people are genuinely very excited about and just has that look of could be anything about them there is a very unique atmosphere around an Irish racetrack when there's a horse like that running you know we would have seen it recently with relatively recently with Sam Crow as an obvious hurdler and uh, you, you could feel it now with it Allen 
before the race, after the race. It's just a little bit different, you know, and it doesn't matter who trains them, who owns them, uh, whether they're training in Ireland or training in England, you know, Irish race scores have have a a real appreciation for a proper one and uh, you, you can really feel it beforehand and uh, and afterwards here and she look hopefully he keeps uh, he keeps progressing and uh, and he is what he looks at this stage which is uh, a real superstar in the making second win in the race for Gordon Elliott a one two for him as well there are two horses that he holds in very very high regard he was asked about plans he's entered over Christmas he could go for the the NACE grade one in January as well uh, and asked about in terms of the trip both Davy and Gordon were asked about this Gordon was inclined to say that he could go up and trip whether he wanted to talk to Davy Davy was very much of the view that two miles it's not broke don't fix it this is fine and this was my view all along as well he's a two miler you seem to be thinking before that he's a Ballymore having seen him now Kev win this grade one what would you do with them? And, and let's leave the champion hurdle out of it and talk about the novice races. Because I quite like <sighs> Cheltenham novice races, Kevin Blake. So Supreme or Ballymore, bearing in mind you've got Andy Dufresne, as you like to call him, Andy Dufresne <laughs> in the mix there as well. Yeah, like I, I really wouldn't be that fussed. And I would normally have an opinion on something like this now, but this this horse looks to have all the tools. Like he, he proved around a, a speed focus two miles here that he's just fine. David could put him anywhere he wanted. And I know watching this race, like it was impossible not to have your eye drawn to um, Abacadabras, you know, swinging into the race like mm-hmm. he did. But, you know, if you readjust your view and never, you you never let your eyes leave Envoy Allen, you know, he was, <laughs> he was traveling very well himself. And David never looked in any way perturbed by what was happening around him. Like for all... That he's a big, that he's a big scopey chaser in the making. There's plenty of gears there. Um, I, I'm fairly sure we talked about it on the on the show last year, but it's worth mentioning again. Like this horse has a remarkable pedigree. Like his mother mm. won a cross country chase, and she's a half sister to Overnia, who's very oh, well yeah. known as a cross country chaser. Mm-hmm. And his his granddam was a cross country chase winner in France. Uh, it's it's you know Mutatir uh, his his sire, uh, you know that's where the speed and the class is coming from. You'd imagine because he he was a very good dual purpose sire, um, Doctor Dino. He got a very good horse in the flat and Doctor Dino. Um, so you know that's where the pace is coming from. But it's not if you if you looked at the page and knew nothing about him, you'd be you know you would be wondering what what he'd end up doing, but. Yeah, there's there's loads of pace there. He he fooled us. He, well, he certainly fooled me a little bit in his bumpers last season because he, he'd look in trouble at times, uh, and, and put it out of the bag. But yeah, there, there's there's gears there, no doubt about it. The fact and is that is that plenty of size to him? I've I've never seen him in. Oh, that. he's a big Huge. he's a big boy. Big, yeah, he's big a big unit. boy. Very big he, unit. He, yeah, I I was taking it like, back. He sounds like he's a chaser, a gold cup horse in the making today, and I, I'd love to see him go that way. I. I, I think that he he needs a bit more of a trip, and it sounds to me, with your assessment of the race, that he he was he was going away for it there. So I mean, he's, he's the shortest price for the Ballymore at the moment. Um, generally, a lot shorter for that than the Supreme. We've got him at five to four to win any race at the Cheltenham Festival in the sports book, and I think that whatever they go for go with him, I think he wins. I, yeah, I I think, think I think he'd find it very easy over two and a half miles in terms of travelling through his races. 
Mm. Um, cause he, you know, he was just fine traveling up in the van here over two miles. And if it was two miles and two and a half, sorry, and you sat him in behind the leader, I think he'd, he'd be very, very, very deep inside his comfort zone, um, at that trip. So, you know, like I say, I think he could do either. Uh, you know, I know Gordon has taken the view before that sometimes the longer race at Cheltenham, the, the two and a half rather than the two can be a little bit easier for a horse. You're a little bit less vulnerable to, to odd things happening. Um, in a big field supreme, so that might come into his mind as well. But um, I know that's that's not a very convincing answer for those that are looking to have bets in the anti-post markets. But uh, yeah, he'd be he could do either job definitely. He did. He, like he is keeping options open. But I got the feeling from him at the open day for Pioneer Racing that the supreme was what they were going to lean towards, and that the future is very much him being a chaser, Kev. So it, it does make sense then for all the fact that the champion hurdle is windy, it would make sense to protect him and keep him in novice company if your ultimate goal is chasing. Well, look, Gordon's put him in the December hurdle. He's he um, he's clearly open to the idea. Um, and look, there's uh, it's always hard to be, you know, because they have so many options, it, it's difficult to be bullish this far out because there's an awful lot of moving parts here. It's not just about Envoy Allen. You know, Gordon has other horses, um, his owners of other horses, you know, who knows what's going to happen between now and then. You know, there's there's an awful lot that can change and that that would influence decisions like this. So um, I'm just very much looking forward to seeing him the next day and uh, hopefully for, for many times after that. OK, how much can I get on on the Betfair exchange for the Supreme Novices Hurdle, Jess Stafford? Uh, you can get him uh, for currently trading about 5.8. He's come in a bit. He was about sevens before, beforehand. Um, and slightly more value for the Supreme, really, than he is for the Ballymore. Um, and like, as you say, like he could go to either. But I, I feel that there's still horses to come for the Supreme. There's, we haven't seen enough of, of Willie's charges um, to really give an accurate assessment of what there is. Um, and he looks like a horse to me that would suit a uh, suit a Ballymore, but we really interested to see, as you say, where he goes next. Um, and I think that will that will give us a good indication of, of what he'll choose in terms of Cheltenham. We could be in the bizarre situation of the Supreme and the Ballymore being stronger in depth, on paper at least, than the Champion Hurdle. And if that's the case, someone mm. needs to do a switcheroo. Mm. Yeah. It, it could it could very well happen. Uh, the day started with the Bar 1 Racing Juvenile Hurdle, the Grade 3. It was a 1-2 for Joseph O'Brien, uh, kick-starting a treble. Cerberus, the money came late. Again, Kev, talking about uh, the market reflecting late on. So 5-4 to four joint favourites, they went off. Um, I think he was very, very popular in the Betfair Exchange as well, Jess. Uh, so I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this before we bring in the race planner for Joseph O'Brien. Cerberus <laughs> and A Wave of the Sea. A Wave of the Sea making his debut in JP Silks. But Robbie Power, again, a man on fire. And this was pretty easy in the end. Well, as you say, Cerberus, he, well, there's a lot of market support for him literally in the final few minutes before, before they went off. Um, and it was uh, it was it was really interesting to see him uh, uh, switch up the form uh, with the wave of the sea, and they were really indecisive all morning. Um, and I think Severus, I think as, as you say to to Kevin, this is a horse that Joseph has, must always have liked, and he he now has got now is looking at the triumph hurdle market. Um, he's currently 21. 
Wave of the Sea is 20. So, you know, you still can't really split them. But these are two horses that have clearly got a big future ahead of them. They've thrown their hat now into the Triumphal market, as Jess has just said. Um, so you're there for this race, Kev. A fantastic day for Joseph. Treble on the card, kicked off by this fellow. What do you make of both of these horses back at, at Owning Hill? And what was your take on the race? Yeah, great result. Um, you know, look, look. ultimately, they, they've taken each other on back in October. And a wave of the sea had only just won by a neck. You know, Cerberus was four pounds better off. So, you know, the case for Cerberus, just in pure form terms, was there. But look, the, the main difference here was, was jumping. Um, and Cerberus, you know, I if you if you hadn't looked at it prior to this, you know, I'd recommend you go back and look at his maiden hurdle when at Fairy House. You know, it's very, very rare, I think, you would see a three-year-old on just their second start over hurdles, making their own running and jumping as well as he did. He was absolutely brilliant. And, um, you know, it made sense to jump out and make the run in here. And though Robbie gave him, gave him an, an intelligent ride, you know, because Cerberus, he's by Ifraj. You know, he's, he's, he's a speed horse, really. And, uh, and Robbie set, you know, dictated in front. And his jumping was excellent again. Maybe not quite as good as it had been at Fairy House the time before, but still very slick and certainly slick compared with A Wave of the Sea. Um, you know, but Cerberus pulled out more when he needed to. And it, it was a lovely win. You know, he'll, he'll be, have to take on A Wave of the Sea off levels if they meet, if they rematch again, if they have their rubber match, if you will. Next time they'll be off levels. But um, great, a real good bunch of lads, good counsellors, syndicate own them. Um, and the, the, the man that leads it up is a man called Aidan O'Brien funny enough um, hey. he's, a, he's a teacher in, um, in, in the Good Council School there um, I actually think he might be just have to, I probably shouldn't have said it now if I don't know I think he might be principal or vice principal there um, and it's made up of, of past pupils well, congratulations. He's it. just been promoted to principal. Well done. Well, well done. <laughs> Excellent stuff. And, and, and apologies for, for not knowing that, but um, big, big racing fan. And the, yeah, the, this the, it's actually a school with a, with a huge racing um, pedigree, like endless racing people that you would know uh, went to the school there. So there's a great history there. And um, they, they got a real kick out of it now. So it was, it was great to see that. And uh, she looked at, he's a horse that's good enough now. He can take him, he'll take him on to the Christmas festival at, at Leopardstown, one would imagine. And she look with a bit of luck that, you know, he could bring him to Cheltenham, could bring him anywhere. Um, so it's great to see. Um, a wave at a sea, like, you know, giving away four pounds. But again, the crucial thing here was jumping. Like he's looked a horse with, with a huge amount of ability over hurdles, but his jumping just isn't there yet. Um, he was just a bit big. And, you know, he'd been a bit big the time before, even when bolting up a down royal. And he just needs to slick up a bit. Um, like physically, they'd be very different horses. I think Cerberus is very much there and now, you know, a real um, a real juvenile hurdler. Uh, whereas a wave of the sea is, is a big scopey horse that's still maybe even a little bit weak that, you know, you could certainly see jumping a fence in the fullness of time and being better with a bit of time underneath him. So, you know, I thought it was a very good run from him considering, you know, what was a significant gap between the two in terms of how well they jumped and the four pounds. You know, I thought a wave at a sea ran a big race. And, you know, he stuck on very well too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a, a stronger pace would have suited a wave at the sea. So 
Um, it, it was really, in many ways, it was an ideal result, like with the benefit of hindsight. Um, a wave at a sea showed loads of promise in second. And if they were to meet again, he'd have he'd have good prospects of, of uh, reversing the form um, on £4 better terms. But look, Cerberus will always give himself a fantastic chance because he's such a good jumper and he clearly has class as well. So, um, you, know, the for, the, you know, the juvenile hurdle division, you know, it, it's still, we're still very early days in it. And I'm sure uh, all the big trainers will, will have some very big guns to unleash there around Christmas time. But uh, yeah, these two, they, we'll, we'll enjoy these two being at the at near near enough the top of the table for the time mm-hmm. being. And hopefully they can improve a bit more and, and maintain that position. Christmas time, Kev, will they be going to Leopardstown for Christmas? Um, it'd be the obvious one. It wouldn't be a, a stone cold certainty now that both of them would go. Um, there are other options there if they were to be split up. Um, Chepstow's there, obviously. Cheltenham a few weeks later, the race that um, Fakir Dudery won last year. Um, so, so there, there is options. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a certainty that they both go. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um, nice problems. It was, yeah, absolutely a high class problem to have. It was one hell of a day at Ferry House, and in terms of coming to two out, it was certainly delivering with the Drimmore Novice Chase, sponsored by BarOneRacing.com. Uh, the Grade One, as the day got even better for Joseph O'Brien, Fakir Duderi and Sam Crow were locked together coming to two out, but they were also locked together before the race went off in terms of the market. I suspect that there was a bit of chaos on the Betfair exchange beforehand, but more importantly, in running as well, Jess Stafford. Give us the the story of how that all unfolded. Yeah, uh, this was the race of the weekend for me, despite obviously the the, the mishap from Sam Crow, which saw him uh, depart early. You know, these are two very different type of novice chasers. One who's been a sort of a hype horse for the last two years. The other who's made this really pleasing transition to novice company. And you couldn't really separate them in the market. Fakir was, went at 2.56 just before the off and Sam Crow was 2.82. But as you say, in running, it was a sort of a different story. Fakir was poetry in motion over his fences, especially down that far side. I think it was seven out. He started to go away from Barrow Saint and he, he started to come away from the others and almost immediately it was sort of a two-horse race and I think it was five, five, maybe five to jump where he was really impressive and every time he jumped, he just, he took more lengths out, out of um, out of the others and the others were trying to reel him back in and as they came to the second fence from home, Sam Crow went 1.28 and just as Jerry Hanning called, strap yourselves in, it was, it was all over. And I watched this race over and over, and visually Sam Crow looked to be going the better. I I think, and I'd love to know what you guys think, that Mark Walsh was was really just trying to encourage Fakir Duduri to to make another really bold jump, which he did. And if they had both jumped together, I think Fakir Duduri would have gone away from Sam Crow again and again, and at that final fence would have taken this race. And you know whether we'll see them oppose each other again, I I don't really know. I. Fakir Duduri is more of an Arkle type, Sam Crow more of a JLT, but there's been a lot of Twitter conversations over would Sam Crow have won this race, but I just think Fakir Duduri would have would have got there. Copy and paste, I agree. I agree with you. And he is travelling very, very strongly when he comes down, but you've got to jump your fences. And mm. Fakir Duduri was just... It was superb to watch. It was... As you said, poetry in motion. It, like I rewatched the race like you, and I paused and slowed it down to watch his jumping technique. He is absolutely deadly over his fences, and um, 
I like Sam Crow may very well have been traveling very powerfully, but I think, as Jess says, there was an awful lot left there with, with Fakir. Um, he looks an Oracle type to me. I'd be fascinated to know what you're going to say, Kev. Um, this was the race in which where you then headed off with the plans to go to the gravy train only for that all to be derailed. But you must have been heading away from Ferry House buzzing after this race because it was a fantastic performance, even with Sam Crow coming down. And thank God he's okay. It's 26 lengths back to the Irish Grand National winner. And he's a four-year-old. That's one hell of a performance. Yeah, great race now. And look, not, not, not being, not being kind of, what's the expression fake humble now but it was a real pity that Sam Crow came down because it was shaping up to be a proper horse race and um, uh, you know that's what we all want to see at the end of the day but uh, there was a great contrast here I think between jumping uh, and a a key point of the race was jumping obviously but through the race even more so than the than the conclusion because like with Fakir it was his first try at the trip you know I think everyone was was quite confident that he'd get it they would have been surprised if he didn't but you know Mark um, Mark he was a bit restrained with him early you know he was up there contesting the lead but he, he wasn't letting him um, let fly early on he was just conscious to keep hold of him um, and he's just he's a very like he's not he's a medium sized horse but he's a real pleasure to watch jumping because he's very very clever um, a couple of times there in the first half of the race, he was meeting them wrong. And he just has an ability to put in a short stride, get his legs up, get his legs down, uh, and not lose any ground whatsoever, despite having approached it you know, wrong. Um, but then it was, it was really when Mark decided then to, to let him push on. And it was much the same on his chasing debut. He, he, he started to push on uh, at a very similar stage. I think it was from about seven out um, on Sunday. And, you know, he's a horse that he just, he sees a fence coming and you can see him. You can, he, he is like visibly wanting to attack the fence. And it was just a real pleasure to watch. He was absolutely brilliant from there. Like I was, I was watching it inside in the way room there um, with, with plenty of, with, with lads that have seen tens of thousands of races between them. And there was gasps, gasps going up like at every fence because he was just so good. Um, and Mark was, again, He'd wing a fence. He'd absolutely drill a fence. And, uh, and Mark would just take him back every time and just fill him up in between the fences. Um, and, and the contrast that I saw was with Sam Crow. Sam Crow jumps very tidily. Like there was, there was nothing really wrong with how he was jumping. But I, I saw a big contrast in, how, in the last three strides before each fence, I noticed a big contrast between Sam Crow and Fakir, whereas Fakir was gritting his teeth and, and, and attacking them. Sam Crow was generally easing himself into them. Like he's clearly a very athletic and intelligent horse because he, he's putting himself right. But by putting himself right, he's, he was losing ground because his, his two strides going into a fence tended to be shortening strides. And like he'd meet the fence perfectly well because he'd put himself right. But in terms of getting from A to B, it's just not as quick as Fakir's way, kind of more gung-ho way about doing it. Um, so like that was a big difference maker all the way around. Um, it looked like, like the two of you have said, look, Sam Crow looked like he was traveling the better. Um, but, you know, one thing, and look, we, all we can do is speculate. One thing I'd say is Fakir, the whole way through his career since he's joined Joseph, very 
excuse me, very generous off the bridle. Very strong up run-ins. He just keeps galloping. Um, Sam Crow. I don't know if you can judge him too harshly on last season because he, he didn't seem a healthy horse, but there was more than one occasion last season where he was disappointing off the bridle. So I would be reluctant to, uh, to, to say that Sam Crow was going to win. Uh, I would be more inclined personally to think Fakir would, would have won. Um, but again, speculation, two out is a long way out, but um, that, that was my read of it. Um, you'd have to be thrilled with Fakir. Um, look, the way he jumps would allow him to come back to two miles, no problem whatsoever, but he, he stays as well, um, which is which is great. It gives options. You know, he has the, the two and a half mile grade one at Limerick, where he'd probably meet the likes of Faheen and maybe Sam Crow again. Um, or the two-mile one at Leopardstown, where he might meet the likes of um, Lorena and Notebook and a few of those. So, look, there's options there. And I think, to be fair to him, he's a horse. He wouldn't be upset to go wherever the ground is softest, because while he showed last year that he handles decent ground just fine, um, he seems to really love soft ground. And uh, he, he he is very effective. You see his action, like he's got quite a high knee action, and he's very effective on such a surface. So, you'd be, you'd be very excited about him. And, look, he's going to get... He's going to get a nice chunk of weight wherever he goes and wait for age. And he's clearly a very, you know, as novice chasers go, he's very precocious. And it would take a very good one uh, to beat him fair and square, giving him, you know, six, seven pounds. Well, that's Mellon he's dispatched with on his chasing debut. And again, I will say it's 26 lengths back to the Irish Grand National winner, Borough Saint. So whatever was going to happen with Sam Crow, take that into account. Um What's the thought process, Kev? Do you go back to two miles? Because in, in my head, he's an Oracle horse. Uh, I can just see him flying up that, that hill at Cheltenham, particularly with his bold running style. What's the current thinking? Oh, look, I don't know. This, look, it's ultimately JP and Frank to make these decisions. You know, they'll have other other ammunition for those top novice chases. Look, in, personally, in my mind, he, I'd agree he looks an Oracle horse, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has to drop down back to two miles before then. Mm-hmm. Um, like that race at Limerick I think would suit him very well um, so I wouldn't be at all upset if he went there but likewise um, you know he'd be great fun to watch winging around Leopardstown as well so personally I'd be very laid back it's not one that I could see myself and I'm not sitting on the fence I genuinely wouldn't you know the way sometimes you'd have a leaning and you'd prefer them to go one way um, I would be very neutral on this I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at all worried about him going back to two mile one and I wouldn't be at all worried about seeing him at two and a half again, even on very testing ground. He, um, he has the he has the tools for either, and uh, I think he, he'd be very tough to beat in, in either one. So um, it's not fun that sometimes these these things, the, these uh, choices would would trouble your mind a bit now. But with him and with this particular choice, it's not one that uh, I'd be losing any sleep over. Well, if he did go to Limerick, he could potentially be taking on either Faheen or Lorena. It'd be Faheen, I think, because Willie seems very very. I know, look, it's Willie, things can change, but he seems quite adamant that Faheen's going to go there. And, um, you know, look, Faheen is Faheen, but uh, personally, if you gave me the choice, I'd be happier taking on Faheen than Lorena. Um, but that's just me. Yeah, no, um, and, and, yeah, sure, look, we'll see. We'll see. Things can change between now and then, but look, hopefully he, he stays hunky-dory between now and then because he's a, he, he's a bit like this. I almost said he, there's a bit of the undersoles about him. He's not, you know, he's not mad, but in terms of just how he attacks his fences, like that is just a really thrilling thing. 
um, for me to watch and I'd imagine for, for most of the listeners as well. It's just like when a horse clearly loves uh, has an aggressive love for something like Fakir Duderi does jumping fences. It's uh, it's great to watch. And like I say, you know, I was standing beside now some, so, some lads that have seen it all and Noel Mead and then Paul Nolan and a few of them lads and they were they were gasping watching the race, you know, watching watching Fakir um, eat his fences. When you're impressing lads like that, yeah. you know, it's a pretty impressive sight. That's what I was doing. I was watching the race with my lovely mother and I was, because mom always gets very um, worked up when a horse comes to a fence because she just, you know, she loves racing, but she just gets nervous for horses when they approach a fence. Watching the Grand National with her is hilarious. And um, I was like, look at this. This is amazing. Like every single time. He just pinged them. Uh, if you thought we forgot about Champ, we didn't. Uh, I deliberately <laughs> left Champ, Lisp, and carefully selected to to come into this conversation because potentially they could all meet at some point or at least um, mix up this division. So if we head back to Newbury on the Friday, Jess, uh, <laughs> Barry Garrity had an interesting day on, on this fella. <laughs> he almost wanted to go around again, but I think that says it all about how good champ is yeah i mean absolutely it's one of those things it kind of remind me if you you know you're out walking with your phone and sometimes you're just looking down at your phone and you're just <laughs> going really fast and then you just look up and you suddenly you're nearly about to hit into a pole and you're like god that could have been really embarrassing in front of everyone <laughs> on this really busy street in london that's what it sort of reminds me of god he was lucky and what class Champ must have um, and how good must he be to veer and then come back into the straight. He also had a few, I think it was a fence, the third way, third from home where he nearly came down on his nose. And he obviously needs further. And I think Mickey Henderson said after that he should have gone to the John Brancom um, novice the next day. But it was Barry Geraghty who was going to Newcastle, so they wanted him to ride. So... It was clear that he needs further and he's a very, very talented horse. He's always had a big profile, the name and the connections. And but yeah, I mean, matched at about 24.0 in running, um, which prob probably was when he, when he nearly went round the wrong course. And uh, yeah, I, I think that this RSA market is a lot to play for now. Um, all the key players ran over the weekend. Danny Wisbang um, produced a really uh, interesting, exciting performance the next day and carefully selected, as, as we've mentioned. But I think Champ has just proved any doubts people might have had about him um, and ensure that he could face a few issues through, through a race and come out on, on, on the better side. 24.0, someone's got roasted there. Someone's come away... Like this is the beautiful thing about it is because it's obviously punter versus punter. So someone's come away with a boatload of gravy and somebody else is questioning life decisions. Uh, oh, dearie me, 24 points. Oh, Jesus. Um, his debut victory, Kev, was over two miles six. Nicky dropping him back to two mile four. He's, he's an RSA horse in, in the making. You're taking on this and particularly the fact that it's Black Op and Vizzy and the Flow who are in the background. Like this was a, this was a good race. Yeah, I was I was happy enough with him. Look, things, you know, he settled quite well for him back at the slightly shorter trip. Um, look, things went wrong. He kind of got hampered as, uh, when he landed there after the third. Um, jumping, happy enough with his jumping. 
a little bit left at times. He had been just a shade, there was a hint of it on his chasing debut. He was just a shade left at times. It was a little bit more pronounced here on occasion, which isn't really what you want to see. You kind of you kind of want to see him do less wrong as they gain an experience, but it's only a small thing, having an old pick as I like. Um and yeah, just just looked like he was ready to go further again. A um, little bit harsh on Barry to blame the horse for what happened up the run in. A <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, little bit harsh on the horse, I thought. But um, look, he got away with it. The horse was, I'd actually give great credit to the horse for um, responding so quickly to Barry's instruction to go hard right. Because I think a lot of horses wouldn't have had the brains to to do what he asked them to do and just would have uh, went the opposite way and they could have or went straight on and go into the rail um, but the, the horse was nimble enough and clever enough to, to respond super quick um, so yeah um, I assume they're going to look at the Cotto Star at Kempton um, you'd uh, have to think so that yeah. seems like the obvious next step and I think that this is where we saw last year's RSA win a you know finish running runner up but the likes of Master Tommy Tucker Danny Wisbang, I'd imagine they go there, so I think that's going to be a that's going to be a really good race. Yeah, I know that they they mentioned the Dipper as um well, that's the plan. On, on New Year's Day New, as New well. New Year's Day so. is the plan. Uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. You know, I think they 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 immediately regretted not going for the longer race um, at Newbury, so mm. maybe, maybe they might change their mind a little bit closer to the time. Uh, personally, I'd like actually, you know, if you if you think you're going to run him in the RSA, I'd actually like to see him get a bit more experience at three miles. J- j- just with a view to getting him accustomed to go in that slightly slower pace because he is a horse that's been quite sparky in the past. And I, I've been pleased with how he settled over fences in his first two. He settled better, but um, he just, you know, Cheltenham, as we've said before, you know the Cheltenham Festival can act like a like a pair of blinkers on a horse at times. Just the the size of the occasion and the atmosphere it can just fire them up a bit. So, um, you know, I, I just like to see him good and relaxed going there now, just just so it doesn't send him the wrong way on on the day that matters most. Could we see another might bite situation in the RSA Chase, assuming he gets there fit and well? I would love to no, see. No, him... was, that wasn't Champ's fault. Barry, <laughs> 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 Barry wasn't looking where he was going. Barry was too busy <laughs> he blowing. Was he was too busy blowing kisses to the crowd and thinking about oh the win percentage. I'm gonna get a nice glass of mo- Oh shit! Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, all of it. Sad to say, it was a tough weekend for Barry Garrity. Yeah, but like yeah. the thing is that the abuse that Barry was getting on social media, and then uh, over Bouvedere, which was absolutely ridiculous, and then the news comes out that actually the horse has been injured. So there you go. Wasn't his fault. Well, that to be fair, it wasn't his wasn't his best ride. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but the horse in front won off sixty five in the flat. I'd have given him that lead and thought that I'd pick him up and carry him. Um, that's champ. We also saw my anti post selection for the Orsay Chase win at the weekend. Uh, quickly mentioned by Jess earlier on. That was carefully selected. And Lisp won on Monday. So brief thoughts on those Jess. And also pop quiz hot shot. Uh, anti-post betting for the RSA chase on the Bedford Exchange. Where does Champ and Carefully Selected currently sit? So Champ is currently 4.4. And we've got Carefully Selected and way further down, 27. Take that, please. Um, Thank you very much. I'm looking for Lisp and I can't see him. I'd imagine Lisp is going to go jail to your Arkle. Would that be fair enough, Kev? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, he's going to be a decent horse. Um, he's in line for the, the 60 grand bonus 
having won at Plumpton. Uh, that was over two mile and one furlong. And um, they like him. They like him a lot. Uh, My Way to Salzen won the Arkle back in 2007. And it was the exact same route that uh, Alan King took with that horse. So I, I'd be I'd be quite keen on him. And um, he's definitely one for the At The Races tracker. Hopefully yeah. he'll be a significantly bigger price the next day uh, than the very, very short odds he was on Monday. Yeah, I, I wasn't blown away with Carefully Selected, to be honest. How dare you? Um, I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be I in the same camp as you. How dare yeah. you? Yeah, both. just, just, uh, I, I just, I would have a strong pick now with his jumping. Um, mm. Like, he didn't make many mistakes now, but he was just, he, he was just novicey in that he was, he was quite inconsistent. Like, he'd be a bit long, a bit short, out to his left. Um, you know, and obviously he, he he was just a, at the second last. He was just a bit long and like totally lost his back end and was lucky to um, lucky to 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 stay intact with with his rider on his back and did well to look come back and win the race. He was very strong in the run in, but I would just if he's going to be um, a proper Grade One novice chaser, I just wanted to see a little bit more consistency and fluency in his jumping personally. Um, just because they don't do it in their chasing debut it doesn't mean they won't do it later in the season but um, for me I, I currently have a little red flag beside him on the jumping front and the next time we see him um, I'll personally be hoping he um, he, he shows uh, a better technique Yeah, Danny Mullins described them as novice mistakes around there but has uh, got the impression that he will be a very smart novice chaser so um, keep it the faith Keep the faith is my view, but Kevin knows more, and he's and, and if, Ken, if Kennedy fancies him for the for the RSA, you can be absolutely sure he'll either run in the JLT or or the four uh, excuse me three, three miles, miles six, six three miles six, stupid race has the uh, has the Kim Yor been cancelled yet, Kev? Am I getting paid? Uh, no, we've had no news on that actually. No yeah. news. I'm waiting for that Very big payout. Quiet. I'm waiting for that big payout. It's coming. Um, Jeez, they're, they're really delaying that, aren't they? They really are. I know it doesn't matter until next season, but uh, I wonder when they'll announce it. I think they're going to try and bury that in a in a weekend of heavy news, and it's not going to work. Cause... Could, could announce it during Cheltenham. Do you know what? That's not a bad shout. Day one of Cheltenham, Kim Muir's gone. And that would definitely bury it. Absolutely, yeah. Just try and bury it in, in, in amongst that. Uh, Apple, Michael, Michael O'Leary made a good case for the champion bumper being the one that goes. Well, so um, he, he, hates he, he hates the champion bumper. Thank you, but you know, it, It's not an unreasonable point, you know. It's, it's a, what? It's, it's, it's a, like, don't get me wrong now. I love bumpers, but um, the Cheltenham bumper, it can destroy horses. Like, it's a very rough race. It's, I, you know, as much as I like it, I wouldn't be upset if it went, to be honest. I I think the likes of Punchestown is, is probably maybe a better track to stage your, your championship um, bumper at. Oh, here we go a, again. A, Aintree even. But, Kevin Blake and um, his Irish biased agenda. What? <laughs> Kevin Blake and yeah, his Irish, Irish biased agenda. The Irish love the bumper. The Irish love the bumper a lot more than the English do, I suspect. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, the, yeah, the, the, the English record in the bumper has improved significantly in recent years, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I, look, I, I don't agree with that at all, Kev. Sorry, can't have it, mate. Yeah, well, something has to go. Someone's always got to go. Yeah, I'll tell you what can go. That bloody mare's chase, that can go. <laughs> Jesus Christ, get rid of that. And, and, and the race we're getting rid of to make way for the mare's chase is... Give the me chase. Give me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, we, we've we've cancelled it. The cancel culture uh, extends to Cheltenham. We've we recognise our mistake and it's gone. Speaking of mares, 
Apple's Jade had taken the last three Hatton's Grace hurdles to join the illustrious Limestone lad, um, but it wasn't to be to break the record and make it four in a row. Uh, she will continue her career racing. We'll talk about that in a second, but we've got a new star in the shape of Honeysuckle, backed as though defeat was out of the question. I was surprised at how heavily backed she was, Jess. Um, mm. But in the end... She's just destroyed them. And considering Bacardi's had beaten Apple's Jade last time out, God, you had to be impressed. Her unbeaten record remains intact. And Rachel Blackmore says the best horse she's ridden so far. Yeah, I love this horse. I think she's a star. Obviously, she's in her, in her back garden, really, at Fairy House. She absolutely loves this place. Um, and But this was Apple's Jade's day. She looked magnificent. I wasn't there, but I heard... Ruby Walsh was saying on TV that, you know, this was if this was her day to yeah. to prove that she was back and and there's no real excuses for her. Um but Honeysuckle, she was very strong on the Betfair Exchange all day. She went off at two point zero and she travelled, jumped very well, and never went bigger than two point four and running. Um she but she hasn't really been exposed out of her comfort zone yet. She's yet to go left handed. Obviously, her big rival now is Benny Desir, who on paper has proven herself a little bit more than Honeysuckle. So she really needs to uh, to step up now and show that she is the horse that Rachel Blackmore describes. And I really hope that she will be. Um, she, there's no reason why she couldn't go down a champion hurdle route. I know that they said the mayor's hurdle is, is her likely target, but they switched Apple's Jade. And I think this is the type of horse who's... Uh, who would be well in in a champion hurdle. Um, Apple's Jade, she, it looks like it might be headgear and a bit further that they're going to do with her. But I, I'm concerned about her now. I just feel that she's, she's lost it. And she's only seven. Could she jump a fence? I don't know. It's, she's puzzling me. I don't know what you guys think. Solarina completed the hat trick. Oh, God, I love Solarina. What a racehorse she was. Uh, it's a pity that she's not really succeeding as a broodmare, but she owes nobody anything. Apple's Jade made it a, a hat trick of wins in this race, as we touched on. Voller uh, Levadette. So it's the eighth time that a mare has won this race. She looks right up there with them. But before we delve into what's next for Honeysuckle, they're talking about headgear and heading back to the Christmas hurdle for Apple's Jade. But Kev, when it would come to springtime, we knew that it was time to jump off the Apple's Jade train. Like she was deadly in the champion hurdle in Ireland last year. But Cheltenham was a bust. It was a bust after that. And for for some reason, it's not clicking into gear for her now either. And it's a good point that Jess makes. She's only seven. Like from, from your expert eye, where has it all gone wrong? Um, yeah, you'd be worried about her now. Look, I, I was very forgiving of her comeback run. Um, you know, fairy, this two and a half miles of fairy house has always looked like, to me, her very best course and distance. Um, it's a time of year she's thrived in in the past. And it, it was a little bit more encouraging than her comeback, but not loads more now. You know, a shadow of what she, she was in the race last season. Um, and you'd just be worried. You know, you, you know, I know it can be an ill-advised assumption sometimes that we expect these horses to come back year after year the same as they were when they left. But, you know, she's a mare. She had, does have good mileage on the clock now for her age. And maybe a little bit of a, a combination of physical and mental deterioration has kicked in. Look, they, it, it's worth having a go, you know, try headgear. 
you know, she's a racehorse, she's fit and well, try something, you know, see if it makes a difference. We know she's tip-top class on her day, so um, while she isn't one that would be roaring and shouting at you that that, that, that you know, the likes of cheek pieces or blinkers would suit her, it, it's, it might just be worth a crack. Because at the end of the day, what do you have to lose? Absolutely zero. Mm. Um, so give it a crack, see what happens. But you'd be very concerned now. You'd be concerned. Um, I wouldn't be prepared to write her off totally just yet, and I certainly wouldn't be calling for retirement or anything mad like that. But no. you would be you would be a little bit concerned as as to whether she can return to her brilliant best. Could she jump a fence? You wouldn't physically. You wouldn't. It's not. It wouldn't have been Plan A. Now you know. There's a reason why she's never jumped one um, to this point. But you know, you could have a crack. You know, give her a school, and so maybe she's schooled already. But um, you know, it's not. It wouldn't be a bad shout. You know, at the end, like while. We're all very disappointed with her here. You know, she still runs to around 150. You know, she'd win a, she'd win a, begin, a mare's beginner chase running backwards. Um, and, you know, that that might be good for her confidence. She could, you know, knock around in that mare's program and probably um, win a few races, even even if she is just a 150 horse these days. That would be more than good enough to win a lot of those mare's races. So um, if, if, if I'd maybe try headgear first, and if that didn't work, um, maybe going over fences. You know, she's she's still young, relatively, you know, so um, there's still races to be won with her, I think, and sure, look, it'll be a challenge for Gordon, but uh, no better man to, to uh, fiddle around with her and try this and try that and try to get her back winning. Honeysuckle, the plan, as you alluded to earlier in the podcast, Kev, is very much the OLBG mare's hurdle at Cheltenham. Uh, what price is she currently for that race, Jess? Uh, she's currently 3.55. Benny Desdure is 3.1. So it's pretty tight up the top of that market if, if that is where she's definitely going to go. But I'm just in the camp that would try and encourage Henry de Pomer to look at the champion. Well, I just wonder if they're going to do an any power and send Benny Desdure for the champion hurdle because windy out. But anyway, we'll, we'll see. Um, your idea of race planning for for honeysuckle like are you with jess that you'd like to see her go for the champion hurdle oh i'd love yeah and of course i would just because i want to see the best taking on the best but i don't know if she she wouldn't be one now that would be that would be roaring and shouting at me as as a champion hurdle horse like in any power would have um like i don't need i know she was very good on sunday but i don't even know if we saw the very best of her you know, Rachel gave her a very safety first ride around the outside, didn't get any cover, a little bit alive in her hands. Um, jumping was solid, you know, not as maybe not as slick as you'd want to see for a potential champion hurdler. I actually thought she jumped better on her, on her seasonal reappearance than she did on Sunday. Um, she looked travelled to lead and, and ultimately bolted up. So, um, look, there's loads of ability in there, but um, I, I really hope, and she has an entry, but I really hope they run her in the, the December hurdle at Leopardstown, and that would tell us loads more about her. Um, to have her examined at that level over two miles um, would be would be great to see. Um, Kenny Alexander owns her, is doing really, really well, and uh, Peter Maloney um, looks after him. Uh, Peter Maloney, Ratmore, who who would have a, a big role with guitar racing in Ireland as well, and I'd, I'd know Peter quite well, and um, I met him there before, it was the week before at, um, at the sales of Goffs, and he was burning my ears, slagging me for uh, for the article I wrote about proposing to get rid of the mayor's races, <laughs> because he's a, he's a big, big 
um, <laughs> believer in the mayor's program, as am I, to be fair. But like I said to him, just not at the Cheltenham Festival, ideally. And uh, yeah, he, he was he was saying, yeah, you can say whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, but this mayor is going for the mayor's hurdle. <laughs> well, hey, so, um, apples uh, jade, apples jade was going for the mayor's hurdle last year, and then they they changed their minds. So you never know. Yeah, well, he, he even tweeted me today, reiterating that. Oh, I let him, I, I let him know that the, the pressure from the media is only going to start from now. So to brace yourself, let's ramp it up. Let's ramp it up. Let's get this campaign Absolutely. going, Jess. We'll uh, we'll bully them into it. We did with we did with apples jade. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on. I'm on that gravy train now. Yeah, so well, it's, it's cyber bullying those, somebody into a decision <laughs> that never goes wrong. Look, there's not there's not a brilliant set of options for her. Yeah, you know, this is this side of Cheltenham, and especially at Christmas. You know, I think they're if they want to run a Christmas, they're pretty much going to have to run in the two miler. I think um, they've given her an entry in the three miler as well. But that'd be a that'd be gutsy you now to go for to to try her over three miles. Uh, for the first time there so I'm hoping it doesn't look like it's going to be a brilliant December hurdle now it's Saldier out or Salder as I like to call him mm-hmm. um, out now um, so look I hope they run her there and sure look maybe the question will get answered for it and there maybe she just proved that she maybe isn't quite slick enough or maybe doesn't have the pace at the very highest level and you know everyone will agree that the mayor's hurdle is is the better option for her but if she goes there and acquits herself very well or wins even, you know, then it'll have to be a serious conversation. And I know, uh, I know the mayor, it's, it's always tempting to go for the easy option, but um, this is horse racing. We want to see the best taking on the best. And Honey yeah. Suckle, if she can win a December hurdle, uh, I would say with, with no doubt in my mind that the race she should go for is the champion hurdle. And it's, yes. always, easy, hey. it's always easy to place other people's horses. Yeah. Here, 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 here. The campaign begins <laughs> now. <laughs> hashtag we demand the champion hurdle um, the, the final race that we will talk about is the bumper uh, this rounded off the day nicely for Joseph O'Brien with Eric Bloodaxe so Michael O'Leary and, uh, and Eddie the two boys are, are back at it again feel good names Eric Bloodaxe I think Vanessa Ryle is a little bit disturbed uh, but by this particular name uh, related to Del Arca and cost a fair bit of money as well but Fernie Hollow had cost an absolute fortune and I'm pretty certain that Patrick Mullins is on all the salpadol in the world like me uh, for his shoulders as they were ripped clean off him uh, by this horse um, your impression of this race Jess and has there been any reaction for the champion bumper market as well uh, well I was watching it and there was so much chatter. I was actually speaking to um, Paul Ferguson, who writes that the very good um, uh, horses to follow book uh, where he, he looks at horses from bump from, from the point to point scene. And Fernie Hollow is a, was always being considered, I think, inside the yard and outside the yard, a horse that we should be looking forward to. And he was really strong in the market. He went off at 1.88. And as you said, he was so keen going around. I think this was really surprising for them because Ruby Walsh was saying on TV that actually he's a very laid back character. He's never shown signs of this. So this was really quite surprising. And he did look like he was going, would go off and 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 prove his class, but he was really green nearly coming to the end. He was going all over the track. Mm. Um, as you said, he was holding uh, Paul, uh, Paddy Mullins, um, had to give all his, all his strength to keep hold of him. And and it suited Eric Bloodaxe, who, uh, who, was, who seemed really much more straightforward at the end of it. Um, and I think in terms of, 
the um, Cheltenham bumper market, I think it's still the case that um, there's a lot of appreciation for this Bernie Hollow. He's he's clearly a horse with a lot of ability. He's currently favourite um, for the, the bumper, but must say there isn't a huge amount of, of liquidity in this market, but he's, he's 13s at the moment. I would like to see him out again. I'd like to see him relax. I'd like to see what they've got because he's clearly showing them a loss at home. I wonder, will he, by the way, that Paul Ferguson is a man we should get on the show soon enough. That's a very good show, by the way. He's a shrewd operator and, and writes some fantastic content. Uh, so nice name drop there and yeah. let's reach out to him and try and get him on the final forum podcast soon he's been suggested to us by many listeners in the past and we'll try and get you on paul i know you listen to the show <laughs> as well so uh, a call is coming your way soon my friend um kev were you surprised with eric bloodaxe that he he took this prize and what was your impression of fernie hollow back in behind um oh yeah pleasantly surprised like this is always a really really good bumper and it would be difficult to come here with a newcomer um, expecting to go very well, but look, he's a horse that shows up well, um, like particularly good-looking horse. And you'd be hopeful, you know, when a horse first time out, like I personally, I'd always approach it. You hope that they run well and show promise and learn loads, and you know, you hope to w- win with a nice horse second time rather than first time. But um, this just went very smoothly for him. Um, fun like Joseph other Joseph's other one made the running, and Eric was able to tuck in behind him. Um, he was going to relax there for Tom Hamilton. Uh, it's, a, it's a small bit of a grip, but no more than a small bit. Um, got a split up the inside of Fun Light then and, and just picked up well. And like the, the result never looked in great doubt. He showed a bit of inexperience in front now. He edged about a little bit, um, but ultimately won quite well, I thought. Um, look, Fernie Hollow, as has been talked about, look, was, was fierce. Like pulled as hard as you would ever see in any bumper, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. Um, and you know, then looked like a bit of a weirdo on the straight, hanging um, to his left. Yeah, it was a, like a very quirky performance, you'd have to say. Um, but look, loads of talent. He was only beaten two and a half lengths, despite doing everything wrong. Um, and look, with Fernie Hollow, he, he made the running when he won his point to point. So uh, it just wouldn't be a surprise if if Patrick just jumps out and lets him get on with it the next day. Um, he might he might relax a little bit better in front. But um, loads of talent in there. But like Eric Bloodaxe, I know it, it's natural to focus on the one that's finished second and done everything wrong. But um, Eric Bloodaxe did did most things right, and uh, and won the race fair and square. So um, look, lovely horse. You know, Gigginstown don't like to be doing loads with these with these young horses. So um, it'll be, I'd imagine, it'll be a case of finding the, finding the winner's bumper, and uh, hoping he can he can add another one, and uh, look forward to to going jumping with him in the fullness of time. Well, friend of the show, Mark Huglin, bred the winner of this race a few years ago, Value at Risk, who had his injury problems, but was a bit of a, a star for him in his day, uh, back with the man who shall not be mentioned. Uh, Alfaroff has taken this race, uh, Identity Thief, Downtown Getaway, Envoy Land last year. Like This is a, this is a good race. It, it has a history of it, and it looks a good one on paper as well. These, these front two in particular, Kev, look like they're two exciting horses. Yeah, definitely. And Eric Bloodaxe, named after that that well-known Viking of the from from about a thousand years ago. He was king of Norway and twice <laughs> king of Northumbria. <laughs> I, I love that name. It's brilliant. It's, Good it's knowledge. So, it's, so, it's so O'Leary. It's just O'Leary down to a T. <laughs> well, I I love the fact that he's got like seventeen horses in the race, but one of them's called Flanking Maneuver. And the other's called Eric Bloodaxe. Like the two of them just but, ganging up on but, Fernie Hollow. But what a name! What a name for a Viking, though. Like when when that child was named, 
you know, it couldn't have worked out much better. It's it's, it's like Tyson Fury. Like it couldn't have worked out with a better name for a boxer than Tyson Fury. Yeah, there's a reason. And Eric Bloodaxe. Yeah, Viking, perfect fit. There's a reason that Tommy got the name Tommy and that, that Tyson was given Tyson. Like, you know, I'm sure Tommy's a decent enough boxer, but like Tyson is just yeah, he's going class. back to it i think yeah, he is yeah. yeah yeah he's coming back he's coming back um if, you, if you're a brief sidetrack if you're not if, if you're not a big boxing fan but you're aware of tyson fury and, and enjoy his uh enjoy his enjoy his his way of expressing himself go <laughs> on to the old youtube there and and look do a search for um john fury who's his dad Oh God! Um, and, and he and, and he's a big hardy man, and he, he speaks the exact same as Tyson, and it's just one of those funny. Like Tyson Fury is a very um, unique way of speaking, um, but then you go and look at a video of his father, and you know he didn't he didn't lick it off the stones. Right in the middle. He's a he's, he's a real character as well. Uh, yeah, he's fun to listen to. <laughs> I really like Tyson. He's done some silly things, but I really like Tyson Fury. And uh, I'd be much more excited about watching him box again than bloody Conor McGregor, who I discovered, who obviously is UFC, but I discovered is still on our Facebook page. We need to change that, Kev. We changed all of our social media stuff over the weekend uh, in celebration of our partnership with Betfair Exchange, but we need to, we need to update that one as well. Um, highlights of the weekend... Jess, we'll start with you. Your your big takeaway from the weekend. Oh, for me, Faka Dari, just watching that jumping was absolutely brilliant. I could watch that over and over again. I think he's got all the attributes to make a real star in the making. And I think it's fantastic uh, for Joseph. I know he's got a smaller uh, crop of jumpers this year, maybe, than he has previously. And that the flat is what he's going to have long term but this is a proper horse and um i really really enjoyed watching him uh run and win i think he would have beaten sam crow anyway so for me that was a big takeaway love seeing andrew gamble having a, a double uh with paisley park and Darasha counter and on a personal note appetant um coming in and proving that she's uh she's a really good mare so those are my my um my my few but one for the at the races tracker Ooh, which I know that we always like done. to look at that might might not have been um might not have been uh, noticed with all this amazing racing that we had over the weekend. A horse called Prince Cave um that uh ran for Keith Daglish um at New uh, Newcastle in um the in the novice uh, in the novice saddle, the French first novice saddle, he went off at a huge odds of sixty uh, on the Betfair Exchange. At what looked like a really a one horse race, Imperial Alcazar for Fergal O'Brien was the very well fancy favourite, and it was it looked like you know if you rewatch the race from a long way out that. Uh, um, Prince Cave is he's not going to get in there at all, but he was so green, he was all over the shop. And he really stayed on at the end um, to take the race really eye-catchingly. He traded as high as 90 in running. Um, and I think Keith Daglish thinks the best of him. And uh, he could be worth noting uh, in, uh, in in future because I'd say he's still going to have quite a big price uh, considering it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty big that day as well. So those are mine. Um, and yeah, just so much to look back on. I think we'll be looking back at this weekend um, later on in the season and thinking, God, we saw some really exciting horses. It's been a fantastic like last month, month and a half, even maybe two months of jump racing. It's just been weekend after weekend after weekend but this one in particular was really special we've got an exciting weekend to look ahead to with steve jones and roy delargy on thursday show which i'm looking forward to with the betfair tinkle creek 
Nice little bit of yeah. cross-branding there as well. Uh, Kevin Blake, your takeaway from the weekend, my man? A highlight was Fakir, I think. that Just very exciting. Pity we didn't get the race we were all hoping to get with Sam Crow, but um, really exciting performance. Um, do you want my low light of the weekend? You having to miss the awards show? No, that's a given, but there's another one. Go on. Uh, and, and now you have to promise to give me first run at this. I want to explain this before you jump in with an inevitable opinion. Go on. <laughs> the Irishman. Oh, now, <laughs> now, now. Hold on now. No, 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 no. First run. No, first no, no. Run. I, I want you to, no, no, I want you to no, take no, it away. No, no, but MS, but MS, I will just run. say, I am just going to say, I have also oh, seen this and I have a take. So go. Okay, first run. Now, I think everyone that watches The Irishman wants to like it. You know, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, um, Joe Pesci. Everyone wants to like The Irishman. And I have seen some otherwise good judges give a good reports. Lads and ladies, three and a half hours of my life, I will never, ever get back. It has its moments. But it is so, so slow moving and nothing happens. And we get to the end and it's just nothing happens. Totally depressing. And I'm sure that you'll get hipster, film hipsters that'll tell you, oh, it's amazing for this reason and that reason. Oh, it's an incredible piece of filmmaking. Oh, lads. If you're an ordinary fella like me that just wants to go and watch a film and be entertained, and I love a gangster film, I love Goodfellas and the likes of that. I saw people comparing us favorably to Goodfellas. Jesus oh, my Christ. God. No. Honestly. Honestly, now, I'm so disappointed. So disappointed. And I'm going to leave it at that now because I'm just upsetting myself. Three and a half. Three, I'm a busy man, that's Three and a half <laughs> hours is a long time. I was going to say, I'm never, I'm never getting it back. I'm never getting it back. I have, can't get it back. Have you seen it yet, Jess? No, I don't, don't. really watch these things, but don't I don't, do won't do now. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm presuming you watched it on Netflix and not in the cinema. Um, oh yeah! Oh, if, if I had gone to the cinema to watch that, first and foremost, three and a half hours in the cinema would be tough for me. But <laughs> I, I would be—I would have been so angry. It, w- it wouldn't have been, and I know I'd never do it normally. But I promise you, it wouldn't have been a hundred to one that it would have walked out before the end. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I'm a great fella for hanging in there. I'll hang in there. Oh, it's you know slow moving plot, but they're building. They're building. Something's gonna happen. But oh man, oh. And don't get on to me about Twitter disagreeing. Because that you can enjoy it if you want, lads. That's my opinion. It's absolutely rotten. <laughs> the, the the thing I'd say is, and, and just before people say, oh, you're a Marvel Studios shill and you're only saying well, that's, well, this. That's a, well, that's a given, to be fair. You're only saying this because of what Martin Scorsese had to say. It's got a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, oh, right? That's that's people rating it before they watch it. Yeah. Because you, you, yeah. Want, you want to like it. With a lineup like that, you want to like it. Absolutely you do. Absolutely you do. Here's what I'll say. De Niro, Pacino, Pesci. It is the best... First of all, it's fantastic to see the three of them back together on screen again. It's the best performances that we've seen from these three actors in a very, very long time. They are fantastic in it. And to use a Marvel reference, they de-age them like they did Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel. And that doesn't take away from your viewing experience. It's brilliantly done. Like the, the set design, 
the the special effects that he uses. But was it a good film? No. No, it was not. <sighs> Just so slow. It's it's, oh. and I I really wanted to like it because Martin Scorsese is the godfather of cinema. He can say what he wants about Marvel Studios. He's actually gone back on it since. Say what you want about it. I don't care. I'm still gonna love all those MCU films. Every single one from. Can't wait for Black Widow next May. Trailers dropped. Looks amazing. I wanted to like this film. I was so excited about it, and I was I was engrossed by it for the first half an hour. And I was like, where is this going? And the thing is, this does not get made by a traditional studio. There's a reason that... I can't remember the name of his last one. It was a faith-based film. But this got axed by the studio that was going to make the film on the back of the failure of that at the box office. No studio releases this as a three-and-a-half-hour film. It's, it's just the fact that Netflix will do it and back him. And if you like it, great. I'm delighted for you if you do. I really am. And I think Scorsese's a genius with what he's done in the past. The best thing about it is the performances. It definitely, as Kevin said, has its moments. But this is three and a half hours where you're going to need to hit the pause button, take a break, and go back to it. And it's just, it is not that good. But I'll tell you what is good. Knives Out. And, <laughs> and Knives Out has a 99% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I went on a massive rant with Jamie Lynch on this podcast about Star Wars Episode Eight and Rian Johnson destroying the Star Wars franchise. This is a film that he wrote and directed, and it's absolutely fantastic. What's You're, this on now? It is in cinema right now. Oh, okay. Uh, Daniel Craig is the lead, and he does like a real Southern role accent. And Chris Evans, who played Captain America, says, what is this, CSI, KFC? And it's Ginger just... Ginger Chris Evans. No, 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 don't get caught on my Welcome along, welcome along, Jim. Um, <laughs> Jesus, could you imagine? Uh, no, Ca- Captain America himself is in this. Michael Shannon. Um, oh, Nobody God. knows the actors. No, of course they do. But what, it's, What's it about? It's, uh, it's a whodunit. Okay, okay. It is, a, it is a proper whodunit. Jess, are you aware of this film? Have you seen the trailer for it? I- no, I haven't. I'm really out of my depth here, guys. I watch Gogglebox. That's about it. Gogglebox is great. I'm interested. That's my Jess. That's my cup of tea. Do you class yourself <laughs> as British or Irish? Oh, that's a really good question. My dad would hate me to say it, but I'm pretty much an Irish. With an Irish boyfriend, Irish educated, I'm Irish. Okay. So let's say you're let's say you're London Irish, right? You're British Irish, right? Okay. Yeah. So you can trade on both sides, and and I love London and love the UK. So we're, I'm just asking that question. Have you ever seen Braveheart? Mm. She's oh, she, hold on though, Jess. Before you answer this, no, Jess no, no. Has already said she's not a big film person. No, 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 no. No, I, no, I don't. No, I haven't. I think no. I know you asked this to Kate Tracy, didn't you? Yeah. Kate hasn't and seen it could, either. She even could say a scene or something. Yes, because of Gogglebox. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's the only way uh, I've seen Braveheart is Gogglebox. Uh, Emma, Emma, do we have to do we have to sort this issue that you're disputing against all wisdom? Do we have to sort this out with a classic Final Furlong podcast Twitter poll? Oh, another one that you fix? No. Do we do we have to do this again? Well, do you act- have to get actually, another, maul- I, another mauling in a Twitter poll? I think that could blow up in your face. I'm up for that. I think that could badly blow up in your face because I think a okay, lot well, of our we'll, British we'll, audience would go. Eh, we'll, it's we'll, not. Will we set Will we set this one at a traditional fifty fifty? Uh, when since when has it been fifty fifty? Go sixty forty. Your fa- in, in favor of you. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, see, I'm in danger of being overconfident at times yeah. with this and make, make, making it closer than it needs to be. Yeah. But I'll, I'll go 60. The question is, have you seen Braveheart? Yes or no? Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd go 60-40 in favor of you. Willing no, to I'm, be corrected. I'm happy with 60. Well, I'm happy. I'd say we get 60% or more. Uh, here's I, what I, I, I get. I, I get sixty percent because I'm giving you the ten percent leeway. I get sixty percent. Sixty percent is a win for me. Yeah, sixty percent is a win for you. I'll, I'll give you that, and I'll, and I'll concede okay. that if that's the case. I will concede it if that's the case. Um, if you are going to watch The Irishman, and and look, I wouldn't Don't. be as harsh as Absolutely Kevin. Absolutely never going to bother. Thank I, I, you. I, w- I would say watch it, but watch it on Netflix so that you can pause it so whenever you, can you leave. want. Yeah, yeah, exactly, so, Jess. So long, and, so long. And do yourself a favor and go see Knives Out. It's not only a real, proper, dramatic twister of a film where your mind is being bended, but it's also hilarious. It's genuinely funny, and it's the best thing Rian Johnson's ever done. It's got a fantastic cast. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it as well. Just Don Johnson! Go see it. Knives Out is in cinemas now. Uh, that's it. We're back on right. Thursday as we do twice weekly shows again. We've got Christmas specials to come. The Christmas quiz is coming up as well. Uh, Declan Marr is going to join us for a podcast again very, very soon too. So uh, looking forward to it. Steve Jones, Roy DeLarge in your company on Thursday. From Jess Stafford, well done on a brilliant debut, by the way. Thank you very much. Love being part of it, guys. And we will see you soon. And you weren't expecting to be part of the full show, but I made you, I dragged you the whole way through it. Normally, you're going to be on for about 20 minutes, but I said for your <laughs> debut show, you're doing it all. Uh, Kevin Blake, my highlight of the weekend is Kevin Blake being awarded Racing Specialist Writer yes. of the Year. Yes! <laughs> Go on, the Blakester! Go on, the Blakester! Delighted. Absolutely delighted. Uh, and Siri will dictate your article to me a little bit later on. You can read that on attheraces.com. There's also everything that you need to know about the jump season on the At The Races jump site and also at attheraces.com as well, uh, including race replays from the weekend with Bouvedere's defeat in the Fighting Fifth to look back on we will talk to you on thursday thanks so much watch out for that poll that kevin blake's going to put up on the at the on the final final podcast twitter page uh from everybody on the team thanks so much for listening and thank you for all the goodwill and the kind words about the big announcement we're delighted to be doing two shows a week again and delighted to welcome the bedford exchange to the final final podcast party from all of us on the team god bless will it happen or won't it happen you can bet on it with the bedford exchange proud sponsors of the final furlong podcast Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.